You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Oh, welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. <laughs> I'm your host, Cam Harless. And with me today, I have, again, Miss Jessica Green, because like I said, she's, I've secretly made her my co-host. <laughs> I never but agreed to that, this, but here I am. It's, it's what it is. And you're, you're going <laughs> to accept it and you're going to like it. Um, but I, right after we did our last episode which the last episode of the year ended up being the one that was like a cluster bomb of like nine people talking at the same time. And it was fun, but it was like when I cut that episode down so that it could be audio as well, I think we lost like half the episode because <laughs> it was like so many. So I was yeah. like, you know what? Let's not do it with that many people again. And we ended 2020 with Miss Monica Perez. And because, you know, I like to start things the way I end them, I guess. She's back. First of the year. Welcome back, Monica. Thank you. And yes, it will be a little easier to decipher than last time. I have to say, last time was self-indulgent because it's hilarious. And it's fun when you're in the moment and we can hear each other. But it's like my mother and her sisters getting together. You know, it's like everybody's talking at once and then everybody just stops and is like, yes. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, did anyone hear any of that? So this will probably be a little more intelligible for people watching and listening. But it, it's, there's no way it's going to be as hilarious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Jessica's still here and she's the comedy powerhouse. <laughs> Okay. Oh, God, don't put that pressure on me. But I have been drinking since about an hour ago. So. <laughs> that should help. We'll That's up. the mood. The mood we'll of the day. I had to quit like... drinking for my diet. The COVID-19 has oh. just got to go. Okay. My, like the yeah. freshman 15, I got the COVID-19 and I just got to get rid of it. So <laughs> With alcohol was the first casualty. Oh, it, man. it does lower I the immune I'm, system. I feel like I've drank more, but it's not because of COVID. It's just because I, I found like this deep love for whiskey that I didn't know that I had previously. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was funny about this, I'm, so that was a bit, but I have to finish filling up my, <laughs> my I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't just sit there and let, let there not be enough. Like there's glare. Up in. Um, As an but, Irish, I feel the beer will help me avoid the COVID. <laughs> oh yeah. I realized gin and tonic with lime is like, they might as well I'll just call that penicillin right there. I mean, that's like <laughs> tonic is tonic is quinine water, which is what is in hydroxychloroquine. It's like a hydroxychloroquine and um, it's a malaria medicine. Oh, wow. and limes, of course, you know, vitamin C. Mm -hmm. That what could be why I'm so healthy. Zinc, I've also heard. Yes. I've also heard that smoking cigarettes and ingesting nicotine, people who do that have a lesser chance of dying of coronavirus <laughs> no that's, that's serious like they come up with this crazy shit for uh fluoxetine like prozac is one of the things that's supposed to prevent it 
smoking does prevent Parkinson's. They won't tell you that, but it does. And then um, what was the other thing that was crazy? Oh, my husband said this. He had read that if you have the Neanderthal gene, you're less likely to get COVID. And I actually do have the Neanderthal gene. Yeah. I do too. And do you? Can yeah. you believe? I'm I'm not That's really paranoid. I know. I love the Neanderthal gene. It cracks me up. But I actually did that 23andMe thing. I think I wasn't quite far down enough the rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, that'd be great to know. And it just told me nothing I didn't already know. I figured I was a little bit Neanderthal. Things get a little, I'm a little thick sometimes. But I think they say <laughs> in Asia, Asians have more Neanderthal and Sub-Saharan Africans have none. So if they really want to prove that stat to me, I just think it's one of those things they just get, it's like a pen and teller where they just, mm -hmm. you know, when they had people like use 15 recycling bins and they, and they actually, people just kept, would, would keep separating their trash. It would take them like an hour a day and they just wanted to see how far they could push it. And they, yeah. they just, I feel like that's what it is when they t say stuff like this. Thing. Yeah. My, my mom actually got it done and the piece of paper she got said that she was related to Cleopatra. And I was like, mother, everyone who gets this piece of paper is related to Cleopatra. <laughs> like, you do understand that, right? And she's like, no, we're related well, to this king and that king. And there, ha it would work that, yeah, they're like, we have very few ultimate ancestors, right? We have a my yeah. mitochondrial Eve. We all have the mm -hmm. same ultimate mother, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about that. We're we getting into esoteric. Is that esoteric? I don't even know what esoteric means. That is how little I know about. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Secret kind knowledge. of a great way to, to defend, uh, to define esoteric <laughs> if you don't know what it means. Like that is. I'm oh, okay. I'll take your yeah. word for it. Yeah, no, it kind yeah. of means like things that other people don't know what they mean. So. Yeah. Oh, nice. Secret. Well, that would definitely yeah. count for me. That's why I get uh, people. You would have used it correctly is all. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, people think I know about all that stuff because they think of me like as just total conspiracy theory. But I really don't know the stuff that gets out of the three dimensional. I got I got nothing there. I think I, I am not a two dimensional thinker, but I'm not a four dimensional thinker. So I, I probably need yeah. to expand my horizon because the only thing that like makes me happy is to listen to the higher side chats, which they are just talking about aliens and ghosts and spaceships, none of which I have like any, I'm not like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's true. I'm just like, I feel like I love it to death. I mean, yeah. I've had Greg Carlin on my show and I'm a paying customer, but for me, it gives me the same feeling as science fiction. It just makes me mm -hmm. feel like nothing can hurt me in this place because it's not in my world. I um, also really enjoy like UFOs and cryptids and things like that. And I have that same kind of feeling with it. Like I kind of on some level know that it's, you know, a lot of it is hokey. Some stuff gives me pause and it's that, you know, 1% of things that gives me pause that kind of like makes it exciting. But the rest of it is like, just, it, it's great. It's uh, what's the point of life without a little wonder and a little awe. Like, yes. And, I know and everything. The questions are for sure there. That's why, like, I think atheism, I, I understand agnosticism, but atheism, mm -hmm. I don't really understand. I'm like, at least somebody has a, you know, has a possible explanation. Somebody's coming up with a theory. You know, God is a yeah. theory. The atheist is like anything but God. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> that's not really a theory. And uh, so, like, for me, I know there's the question and I just I don't really know the answer. But when it comes to stuff like that, grabbing onto it, 
I can't do it without something that makes sense, like chemtrails. It took me forever to understand what chemtrails were. I'm not going to explain this to people. Like, you just have to eventually be like that. That pattern doesn't, you know, their explanation doesn't fit that pattern. But it took me like a couple of years. But anyway, these people all want to hear about what's happening in D.C. But I, uh, <laughs> but for me, like, but no. It's. I think it was. I'm interested whatever. in what you're you saying. Got, you guys now. go first. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's so much more interesting to me, you know. But um, because this stuff, I just we're, we've gotten to where it's as somebody, a friend of mine, uh, texted at me. It's like pure VR at this point. It's just. It's not even real. Well, that's what I was saying to Cam, like almost just before you came on. Was could you imagine trying to explain to yourself yesterday what you've seen today? And that you wouldn't believe it. Like if you tried to tell yourself these things that were about to happen, I would be like, no way. I would say that's true for a year ago. But yesterday on my show with Binkley and uh, Garland Favrito, who's our the election guy, you probably have heard of him being that you're in Georgia and you've listened to my show. I've had him on a lot. He we were talking about how they had geared us up for violence for so long that we wouldn't be surprised if today the Electoral College thing did turn violent. Um. And when you, two things I'll say about it. They showed pictures of people doing, not doing that. I saw no pictures of that. I only saw pictures of like fanny packs and American flag sweatshirts, you know, just like when I was marching against Obamacare, like everyone was stacking up, their, their garbages were full and they would like stack them up till they were five feet tall. Like nobody would put anything not in the garbage. Like that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> so there was that. But but what I didn't expect was that what they what they it was such a simple reason they did it at the end of the day after everybody went home because people who were there to have a legitimate protest saw what was happening and was just like, Oh, okay, this is set up. I'm going home. I'm not going to feed this fire anymore. And then they all went back in and they're like, there will be no further objections. I'm sure. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, <laughs> that was cheap. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a little more rabbit hole than that. Yeah. That's my tape. Specifically the man with the uh, fur horn helmet. If you had told me that Nancy Pelosi's chair would be occupied by a shirtless man in a furry horn Viking helmet, I would not have believed that. Oh, so, I missed yeah. that. So I'm guessing that that was one of the agents provocateur who so was there. Interestingly, he was stupid. I'm looking to career, see. If, I'm trying to look at it for it on my phone. He is listed as um, having the career actor, and he has been seen at other protests wearing that gear. Um, but at the same time, the image of him standing in the, the congressional, I guess that's a congressional desk. I don't know the official name for it. But sort of standing there with an American flag shirtless in this like Viking gear. It was sort of the perfect imagery. I really enjoyed it. I'm like, that will be burned in my brain forever. And I, it's never going to, it's never going to feel as holy to them anymore. Like that's their sacred <laughs> space. And it's never, it's all, it's going to be a little bit sullied for them now. And I enjoy that. <laughs> what I was going to say, though, is we 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 I was going to have an episode that was going to talk in the realm of inter interdimensional beings, the clockwork elves, aliens, stuff like that, because I have a different viewpoint on that than a lot of other people. And it's one that I've held for a while, but it was one that was very cemented and questioned within this last year. 
And so me reading the, the different books I've read and the things that I've looked into, it was crazy to hear Michael Malice and Alex Jones start talking about clockwork elves and the the dimensions and stuff. And I was like, we need to do that. And so what's I'd clockwork up, elves? Yeah, sorry. I'm not oh. familiar with and, that one yes. either. So you I'm said not really inter- I'm not really familiar with that because that is something that I that was the first time I'd heard of clockwork elves before. But I'd set up a conversation about that for the 29th of December. And my wife goes, hey, it's the 28th of December. You know what I want to do today? <laughs> Pop out a child. So it was so like, can't have been episode, too much of a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't because the um, the last time we had the conversation, which I set up this conversation with you, like really shortly thereafter, because I was like, that was chaos. I just want you back on so that we can have a more thorough conversation. But um, yeah, she had the baby on the 28th, um, little little girl named Daisy Joy. And I just love that she's name. She's beautiful. It's so cute. And lovely. And I just thought it was really ironic because we talked about doing it either this week on Wednesday or next week. And I was like, let's just do the sixth. Let's let's do it. And then today, after I go to the store in my Gunners to Gitmo shirt, to pick up um, <laughs> to pick up a, a couple of a couple of new guns um I, did you really I, I, oh yeah the yeah, store I, must have been crowded <laughs> it was not but I I, oh. I I live in florida and they have a stupid three-day waiting period oh you which you know results carry. in a lot of beaten women dying but whatever yeah i don't know why that's an infringement that's what I call infringement. Yeah, because the people, yeah. women, when they feel really in danger, that they're, they, they're the ones who want the guns in a hurry. Like real regular criminals aren't like, oh, I'm a criminal. I need a gun right now. So yeah. whatever. Anyway, but they say it actually but, results in more homicide, like uh, murder. But I, I'm, I'm in the store and I start seeing they're storming the Capitol on Twitter and Jessica was saying that she hadn't seen me comment on what was going on. And she was like, I hope he doesn't miss this. And then, of course, I see it. I'm just like, my Twitter's just been like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say as many as many things as possible, because this I've had the best day on Twitter. It has been so fun okay. today. I, I just find it overwhelming. I just I feel like this stuff is so. It's like well, watching. I want to know. You know, a big movie. Yeah, because you see things differently than everyone else does. (laughs) That's probably true. I had had sent, uh, who I named Jar Jar Binkley, the link to join us if he decides to. Um, Did he? He's not a... um, He said he might. Oh, he did. Okay, because he doesn't always communicate. (laughs) He just goes (laughs) radio silent forever. So I just but, feel like uh, he doesn't he doesn't have enough phone chargers, but whatever. <laughs> I should just every every birthday and Christmas, I should send him another phone charger. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I didn't know if you even if you even heard it. But yeah. So what were you going to say, though? No, I was just going to say it was just utterly ironic that on this day, the because I thought something might happen today because of the certification of the Electoral College. But it's just ironic that they stormed the Capitol and I'm having Monica Perez on my show that night. <laughs> Because, hey, I tried I, to have a march on Washington July 4th and like nobody wanted to go. I had people <laughs> like me and listeners and stuff who wanted to go. But I was like, 
Glenn Beck and all these guys who did the Obamacare marches. I was like, we just need to end this lockdown. We can't have them running up four trillion dollar deficits to bail out Democrat states that won't let their people go to work. This is crazy. And everyone's like, oh, I don't I, I what? Who's I'm sorry, I got to go. So now I don't know where these things come from. You know what I mean? So they bring these people up and Binkley and I have been expecting this because first of all, I absolutely think it's agents provocateur. I I do not think this is Trump people. And then because they kept like gearing us up for violence on election day. And I was like, the only way they're going to get violence on election day is if Trump is the one who's called the winner, because the right is of a very different thing. That's why there's no talk radio from, from the left. Say it again. (laughs) I said they're pussies. (laughs) <laughs> it's no i don't think that's i think they're they until trump came along they were quite ordered thinkers and i think that the the like the liberal talk radio never caught on because it's not really a thinking sport it's you know it's not like the rational stuff and when so to get them to to they want and i heard some lawmakers say it say but they are like more law and order they want to restore the constitution they don't have it in their makeup to be like oh we were just going to burn the place down. I just I think that would be very hard to do, certainly on November 3rd. But now maybe I looked at that and I thought, well, maybe they'll get them to do it. They'll do agents provocateur. They've been modeling the behavior with the BLM stuff and the and the zone and Portland. They've been doing all that. Binkley and I have been talking about for years now when they came out on the left and and said, I think it started with the Parkland thing where they told the young people, hey, even if you are not allowed to leave your classroom or whatever. You don't have a vote. You don't have a say. You should break the law. We're not telling you not to break the law. He played me a clip of Pod, Pod Saves America or something saying that to the young people. That's when it started. And just like it took a lot to bring identity politics to the right, and it took Trump to do that, it's taking a lot to make it even vaguely plausible that the Midwestern fanny pack crowd is going to do this stuff. And I knew people, my mom's friends went down to Washington for the last protest a few weeks ago. And they, I know what it was like. I used to march on for life with them. And I, I mean, you know, it's just, it's like a party. It's, it's like, that's why I knew the MAGA hat kids were innocent. They get, and they're so happy and it's so positive. And they said that it was the greatest time ever. And then like these weirdos in black were totally random and inappropriate and coming up to us and just cursing and stuff. And I knew that this was like the Antifa provocateurs, you know, a few weeks ago. And that's how come I kind of had a sense that, well, they'll just, they might make something up. But and Binkley heard them, saw the memo, the Capitol Police, which is a total uh, deep state operation, or, or they really facilitated false flags in the past, let's just say. Aaron Alexis, Miriam Carey, that wasn't a false flag, it was murder and cover up. Um, that they said, just uh, leave the doors open, shelter in place, but leave the doors open so that when people went in, and I also, this is the last thing I'll say, I, when, I've, when I did March Against Obamacare, uh, they would not let you anywhere near the Capitol. It was you were so far away. There was no freaking chance. And if we started storming the Capitol that day, they would have come out with machine guns. They would have been Kent State. Like there's no effing way. And they had congressional aides on the balconies taunting us, taunting us. And I had an activist say to me, you know, they do that. They're just trying to get you. I was really getting infuriated. He said, just don't. 
Don't worry about it. And uh, so that stuff, it just doesn't, it looked like, a, it looked like it was a setup. And then when I heard what they did, which was they stopped the objections because I, I like an idiot went back today and I researched Rutherford B. Hayes and the closest um, comparison you could have and what would be the right process. And I read the constitution and I was all ready to talk about it and I'm getting my phones blowing up. Oh my God. Can you believe what's happening? So, so I start my podcast where it's going to educate people and talk about the constitution. I was like, Oh, did you see what happened there? You know, and and that's what happened. And now we're not talking about that and they're not even pro- proceeding. It's insane. And so they're like, OK, you have to trust the process. This is mob rule. I'm like, OK, so you're letting the mob just stop the process. So now you're doing the exact opposite. You're letting the mob control the outcome by, again, not adhering to any kind of valid process. And I think they should have had a. Uh, they should not have certified the. I, they probably did it by now, but they should not have without no. further, because the because the lawsuits are not all done. Like in Georgia, there Garland's has a, a compelling lawsuit that will overturn the electoral votes in Georgia if it's allowed to proceed, and they keep blowing it up. Anyway, <sighs> there you go. There's a little Monica Perez show for you. This <laughs> like, is fire hose. So just to maybe not offer pushback, but just to maybe offer some insight, my um, a relative of mine works as a poll worker here in Georgia, and she was there from dusk till dawn yesterday, basically. And she said you could very much tell who the Republicans were. And she said the energy coming off of them was palpable. And Which, they were in very, what way they were angry. Right. And um, a lot of them were just like at their breaking point and looked really stressed out. And well, she just really like picked up on that from them. Was this in one of the many places where the Dominion machines weren't working and they were collecting the ballots by hand? Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, the largest county is Gwinnett County. So I don't think it hurts to say that, you know, they're in Gwinnett and that is a, a hot, a hot zone for what's going on. Right. So <laughs> I, I, was, I know I mean, I know two people in Sandy Springs who could not vote on the machine. They had to give their ballots to a person and trust that they were going to feed them in later. And that they're that's not the only place they were reporting that. So I can imagine people being angry by then, especially since the media was saying I got a tweet suppressed for for tweeting out an article that talked about that. Yep. And they're just. I, I I was I'm not angry because I, my expectations were low and I'm not a mm-hmm. Republican. I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not, I, you know, I always vote for Ron Paul. I don't know if I will continue to vote for him after he dies, but I might. <laughs> anyway, I mean, people, tens of thousands of people vote for Mickey Mouse, like right in Mickey Mouse. So you can do it anyway. Oh, good. Look, look. Good. 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 Ron Paul yeah. would be a better politician dead than any of them are alive, frankly. Yes. Maybe, well, I mean, <laughs> Rand Paul's the one who called it. Rand Paul today is the one who said there will be no more objections. I didn't hear him. I only heard them say that he said that. So I don't know if he was saying it ironically or exasperatedly or uh, in, this is how it should be. But it's I mean, it completely backfired. Right. So you're well, like, oh, Trump is so bad, but it completely bad. If he, he's he's so bad and so incredibly stupid that everything he tries to do turns wrong, except for maybe bankrupt the country. That seems okay. to be succeeding. So I also don't put it past like the Capitol Police to allow the protesters in there in order to make the protesters look bad or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I don't put that past them at all. But even if that was their play, 
you have millions and millions of people that already don't care what the establishment thinks of them. They already don't care what the media thinks of them. They feel disenfranchised. They feel that this election was stolen from them. And they feel that like, I've heard the uh, phrase Olympus has fallen like millions of times today. But People have the <laughs> sense that the country is over and they're ready to like burn down the Capitol. So I don't think all I of see, it I, is provocative. They're, they're seizing on something that is organic. And Okay, it's, but it's not, it, it was, maybe it's, it is emerging organically now, but it was mm -hmm. created by Trump in this movement. They took the momentum that Ron Paul got going and mm -hmm. they they redirected it into a guy, Trump, who had no principles, no record, no constitutional basis. All the people who love Trump will have are not the same people who want to restore the Constitution. They are not. They're not ideological. The emotions you're talking about is just emotion. And it's not it isn't the it isn't ideologically consistent with with the with the group that's being painted as the ones who are there. I'm not sure that I agree that a lot of the people who were uh, part of the Ron Paul movement necessarily transferred over to I, the MAGA movement. Oh, OK, I, sorry, I might have misunderstood you. They took the energy. They took okay. that energy. Yeah. You know, sure. and they yeah. sure. and they redirected it. I don't think okay. it's the same people because so just like they, the populist energy. Well, there was a problem with right. the Republican Party. People were pissed. Mitt Romney was the candidate. John McCain was the candidate before that. And that might even be a little more consistent with what the real how the Republicans have moved since mm -hmm. Irving Kristol decided to make it a neo Trotskyist <laughs> war party. That's another story. But they deliberately moved it to be this something else thing. And and it did that did become real with the terrorism and everything. And they really yeah. felt like it was like I would talk to people and they would say Ron Paul's foreign policy is dangerous. <laughs> like Ron Paul's foreign policy is dangerous is what people would say to me. Republicans. Right. So so Trump, <laughs> Trump then came in and fed that emotion and satisfied their need to correct what was wrong with the party. But he did it by being rude to Democrats. So maybe you have people who uh, are triggered like that or are responding to the emotion. But I do not think that it's that it's a group that is that they deal with anger by lashing out, you know, like spoiled kids who never had any discipline unless there is the subculture that kind of came from nowhere, which is possible. So it, there is that sort of Trump culture of people that, you know, there is the conservative movement and then there's the Trump people. And that's, uh, I think, a different energy, too. You're talking about types of energy. Like, yes. Um, all of like the conservatives that I knew growing up on the radio, for example, like 10 years ago, definitely don't fit into that category of like the way that uh, like the Trump train and all Who? of that. So tell me, I want to make sure I understand what you're talking so, about. Like, so for example, like... Um, you know, although I would say, her, obviously, Herman Cain is a Trump supporter. Yeah, because some are Trump people and some are never Trumpers. Like Eric Erickson was saying, shoot them. <laughs> shoot them all. Oh, wow. Know, yeah. I guess I don't pay too much attention to Eric these no, days. No, somebody so. told me. I don't <laughs> listen to him. But so, yeah. yeah, so I guess there we're talking about a few different groups, really. We've got never Trumpers. Yeah. We've got people who think that Trump is a Republican and like him because of that. And that's really who I'm talking about. Like those yeah, people are not rioting. And then there's people who, uh, I guess the cult of personality thing, but I don't really that's what see I'm talking that. About. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, maybe 
the Q continuum would kind of be well, it's on also that not end necessarily conservatives like these people are like it's a populist movement so it's people who are disenfranchised right. by the state not necessarily people who are even conservative or have republican values they're just kind of people yeah, who identified that, with what trump was saying yeah which was screw the liberals and so that, he yes that's the thing that is crazy to me to be the opposite without being the opposite to hate the other without being the other of the other it's ironic you sort of become the th the monster that you're trying to slay or nothing you know it's like weird yeah. you are just total negativity cam go ahead <laughs> <laughs> no i was just gonna say have either of you guys read the new right by michael malice not yet it goes through the kind of where to where we are today because the new right really started with um buchanan and rothbard and then it came through Ron Paul. And then people saw in 2008, 2012, a man who was willing to stand up to the establishment and say it was illegitimate and certain aspects of it were illegitimate. Mm -hmm. And then, and you're right, in, in 2016, there were several people who tried to take on the Ron Paul mantle. Obviously, Rand Paul tried, but he sucked up to the establishment because he wanted, he didn't think his what his dad did worked. Yeah, I think and that, I, that's that was, where I lean. That was a downfall of him. And that was kind of his downfall. Well, no, he won. He's there. Well, no, but I mean... He, downfall he, for us, but did, maybe that was... Right. You know, he compromised and, his, and, and he's getting what he was after. I'm glad he's well, it, there it now because he's yeah. been the voice of reason on a lot of these things, too. Yeah, now. It was his downfall insofar as running for president. But he does have Donald Trump's ear, which is good. And then what was funny was in 2016, I don't know if you remember this, Ted Cruz got up and claimed the Ron Paul movement and said <laughs> that he was he was the legacy of Dr. Paul. And I was like, his son is right there. <laughs> what kind of crap hey, is that? Ted Cruz. The Tea Party is there. Such a sham. Such a oh, sham. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the thing. If you look at the kind of the progression over the years, you have people becoming less and less happy and willing to deal with the establishment because Ron Paul was a call on the establishment and, but it was a principled call against the establishment. But then you have Donald Trump come in there and he's going to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shit all over the establishment. And <laughs> I do think if you look at kind of how this election ended up working, whether or not there was fraud, and there's always fraud. Every election is fraught with fraud. Yeah, they put it in our faces. Then that's interesting. But go ahead. Yeah, but if you if you look at who won, it wasn't the progressives. It wasn't the Democrats. It was the War Party. It was. A, I mean, for God's sake, I keep having. I keep saying this. You did see that Joe Biden brought Cynthia McCain onto his transition team, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he wrote the uh, the Patriot Act. He brags about that. But my yeah. my husband was telling he's thinking he was saying that he thinks that they'll they'll be super moderate. That's Biden's there to be moderate that even if they have complete control in D.C., they'll be moderate so that Kamala can be president and then they can go bananas yeah. after that. But if they're not, then she loses. The Republicans come and sweep it next time, presuming there's any way to actually have a. A, a even remotely fair election and you still care about what people think vis-a-vis -vis who you want to get elected, which I'm not 100% sure that that's true, but to the extent that you have to have people believing that the person is 
probably elected. You know, that's where we are now. That's what keeps our democracy from completely breaking down. But yeah, I think I that's I think that's down. right that they 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 you know, it's like the hundred years since Dewey of dumbing us down, of taking out a lot of the critical thought and the uh, comprehension of rhetoric and stuff from people's education. And they've gotten to the point where they're so dumb that and I, I don't mean like people are really dumb, but we're so dumbed down. I've, I ask people all the time, what do you like about Trump? And the number one answer is that he makes Democrats cry. Yes, I mean, that, that's just a crazy is, thing. But there's so much power. I've had several times with different people. Donald Trump, people aren't following Donald Trump because of Donald Trump's personality. They're following Donald Trump because he's an avatar. He is the thing that is fighting against everything they hate. He's fighting yeah. against uh, the the what do, what, what's the identity politics. He's he not fighting against, against, against it. Identity. He's making it but, but much it's an more... avatar. That's how I don't they know see what him. that means. It's okay, like so... a like a puppet. Like he, he's right. filling the yeah. role that people want him. He's he's right. Uh, right. Anybody he's can be in that spot. He would be a terrible okay a symbol. Yes, but like an avatar that he's actually does stuff, like in a game, no. would have to pre- fix. You know, would have to be successful, right? Right. He's, but he's he ba- everything he is... backfires for this guy. Everything. <laughs> but yeah, he's he is the symbol for these people it. of fighting against what his very it? their very real enemies. Like cancel culture, he, all of that. What did what did he Jessica, what did he try to do that he actually accomplished? So if he was elected in the first place to make liberals cry, he got them okay. to walk backwards yeah. into so much bullshit of their own making. Yeah. It was like, they're oh still my God, winning. we don't deserve him. He's like a saint of making okay. liberals cry. And there's so what I wanted to say about that was there make liberals cry is a statement fraught with meaning. It's actually something very layered. And and it's not just the simple statement of I like seeing other people cry. It's you've been called a racist for the last 10 years just for existing. And yep. now there's, you know, that's drummed up a lot of animosity in a person who is struggling. But he did the, that. Yeah. I know, well, OK, he, so he created he, that on he, purpose. I, so his um, take is that he is going to make the economy better. He cares about your jobs. He cares about you. And right. the, the Four trillion like, dollar deficits. I understand. Like, I understand oh, it. But what okay. Cam is saying is like he presents the that idea oh that. yes i do but yeah. i'm asking i understand what he's saying but i'm asking you what trump ever did that he didn't backfire oh okay but so i guess if what you're saying yeah, is, i agree with you is like agree, as far as actual yeah. a policy like actual policies that he yeah. got passed so there are some like pharmaceutical a couple of pharmaceutical things he did like a couple of little things here and there that i actually thought were good things i couldn't if i had to come Maybe. up with one off the top of my head no, but um, do you think that we are way closer to technocratic totalitarianism after this guy. I don't think that's of Trump's making. I think See, that I was think done that, in response to Trump, not because of Trump. I, I don't think, think that's why he, he that. was. That's exactly. We are totally converging because I think that's exactly why he was put in place. Oh, wow. I have not considered that idea. That's yeah. definitely a new one on me. That's um, definitely what I think. But I do think that all of a lot of this was done. Sim- like, I, I totally think they bombed the economy just to get rid of Trump. <laughs> like, I really do. 
Oh, I know I that don't kind of puts so. a tinfoil. Uh, no, you don't think so. I do. No, right? I think that they that they bombed the economy to completely transform the economy into a yeah. virtual world that they could control a whole lot better than all these people who could still walk around. I think this it's is a fascism. Yeah, I think this is a uh, I mean, the guy, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum guy, he established a fascist that is a fascist organization mm-hmm. with the goal of merging governments and businesses, the World Economic Forum. This is their 50th anniversary and the same guys running it and they talk about their goals. And and that's why when so they did this event 201, which was a simulation of a novel coronavirus in October of 2019. And they said it would be 18 months. It would devastate the world economically. The stock market would go down by 40 percent, which is exactly what it did, that people would be scrambling for PPE personal protective equipment, masks, vaccinations. They needed to make stockpiles. This was all a simulation in October 2019. And then the guy rolls out. This is a guy who already had in place his plan for the fourth industrial revolution. And then he just renamed it the Great Reset. Right. And now he's... Oh, yeah, the Great Reset. So now they're like, well... Looks like everybody lost their jobs, but hey, guess what? Everybody now knows how to use Zoom. Let's convert it. And I think the very next step, where the the critical next step is going to be digi dollars, where you can't make any transactions that are not surveilled. And I think Trump facilitated all of this, and in this the- theater, this distraction. And today was just like that big mob thing was a distraction, and now they're passing it without any process. We've totally abandoned process. And he did also lead the charge on that because he never. And this is when he was running. I said, the guy never, ever refers to the Bill of Rights ever, (laughs) you know, never. He doesn't care about it at all. And he doesn't. He doesn't care about process. And that's why when he says, I don't care what's right or wrong, I'm doing what I want. Fuck you. And everyone's like, yeah, you tell him. I'm like, you know, could backfire. I don't know. So that's how I see it. That's why Cam's like, you just, nobody sees it like you. <laughs> so what about this well, army? What about this absolute army of angry Republicans that they have now who feel that, like, these are real people. They're my neighbors. Like, I've talked to them. They're I like think, actual people. I think that they have now made them look like a bunch of racist hotheads. Whereas Ron Paul made them look like a bunch of principled rational people who would like to educate you and are willing to burn dollar bills in a talk about fraught with meaning. You got to really think about that. Like you see a bunch of college kids who got nothing, 3000 of them burning dollar bills. You got to like, what? (laughs) It was interesting. And that's different. One of the things that I wanted to say was when it came to Ron Paul, Ron Paul accessed the intellectual side of people on the right. And that is where he did it. And if you look at the history of conservative conservatism or conservatism, Inc., that is kind of how they played it. Let's talk about the debt, the least sexy thing you could talk about ever. And all the while you look at the progressive movement and they're dealing strictly in moral superiority and emotions. And Donald Trump got up on the stage and said, Yes, your anger is justified. I'm going to fight them for you. And that's where this came from. So we had this this coronavirus thing happen, and then everyone's been locked into their homes, unless they're in Florida. We're okay here. But we're all we, we've been locked in our homes. People have lost their jobs. I've know I know four or five people 
who've had family members commit suicide because they lost their jobs oh, because they had yeah stuck i've seen a lot of murder they have, they have pushed these people who had been emotionally charged rather than trying to reach the principal because you don't have to reach principal with progressives you have right. to hit the emotional cord and what trump mm -hmm. did is he struck that emotional cord he said you're right they've called you racists you're right they've they've taken your jobs they've canceled you and trump gave them the vehicle to go you know what fuck this and i do think there are a lot of angry people right now and mm -hmm. none of this, and, and this is me. but this is where this is where i break this is the big difference and the tea party <clears throat> revealed they were the bridge to this <clears throat> when chris christie was all he he rose to the governorship on the Tea Party coattails. Yep. And he, during that Hurricane Sandy, the Obama kiss, when he, that October surprise, when, <clears throat> and all he did was pound the table for relief for probably, I don't know what New Jersey's up to these days, it was probably one of the richest states. You know, if it were a country, it'd be probably be per capita one of the richest countries in the world, I assume, because if it's proximity to the financial center, for him to pound the table, pound the table, get all PO'd for FEMA, it clearly betrayed that he was for he he was a proponent of uh, the power and promise of big government. So Ron Paul said, make the government smaller. You have control over your life and things will be better. You will have his his closing speech in Congress was the most good for the most people is liberty is in liberty but trump took picked up the chris christie thing and went further by saying look give up on all that stuff you're never going to get a small government you're never going to change anything you couldn't get a job if you wanted to they took it all away this is the system as it is this is the government as it is i'm going to use it for you i'm going to use it for you now and that is just the stupidest thing it's like if, read bastiat the law it's so short he says you got to watch or basically in the end, he says you got to watch out that you don't you don't like what you were saying, Jessica, you don't become what you are fighting against. Mm -hmm. And and of course, in this case, when the Republicans are the Avis of the political parties, you know, they are number two. They only function in number two because they are the same welfare warfare super state as the Democrats, but for the 50% of the people who don't want a totalitarian technocracy, they have to act like they are fighting the good fight. But once he's taken that, oh, you know, so the Democrats are always going to have, are really always going to be in the driver's seat. So the more you take away the filibuster, the more you call for a straight up and down 51, 49 vote, the more... You say uh, big government's not bad if you it's working for you. The more you say, well, I can fix this by changing trade policy. The more you do that, the more you just put all these arrows in the quiver of the next 12 years of Democrat rule. And the Republicans go right along with it. This way, the Republicans all get to vote against everything and keep the Democrats, you know, just one seat above. Like, it's just it. I, it always ends up this way. That's what upsets me is that it always ends up this way, no matter what. And it wouldn't have with Ron Paul because he would have educated people. Then they've been empowered. Well, it, it, if you I look think. at at what's been going on, there are like Trump. I don't if, look at the establishment Republicans. I think if you pay attention, you will see that almost none of the establishment Republicans actually wanted Trump. 
And then once he won, they started pretending that they were pro-Trump so that they could get the things that they wanted from Trump. Because they know if I talk to Trump, if I bow and I kiss his feet and I, I speak well of him, I can get what I want. Rand mm -hmm. Paul used that for our good, for the good of our war machine to pull it back some. And then, but you can tell there are these weird things that Trump has done, like not bombing Iran, like talking about pulling out in Afghanistan. And you know that whoever gave Trump the idea to run for president, and I think Hillary Clinton egged him on because she thought he was an easy, an easy one to beat. I thought that, and too, at the time. You know, I thought yeah. it, he was there to lose to her. Like, he was the only one who could possibly <laughs> lose to her. Well, I, I, I think that I do think that she thought that. I think that she thought it because she didn't campaign the way she should have. She was I, I, see, I now I'm more inclined to think she lost on purpose. Like, that's how high up I think the control. But, you know, I don't know. At that point, I don't know. I don't know how how rigged it all is. I mean, I think they do fight legitimately to get their own power bases. But so if just, you notice all of the anti-war rhetoric, it continued. No, we didn't lose wars. We got some drawdowns in some places and didn't start any new ones. Great. That's fantastic. I'll say good job, Trump. I'm not starting new wars. <laughs> right. I, I will. I that that is another thing that people say. Yemen. But um, th but that's the thing. You know, all of the establishment Republicans have been secretly not being never Trumpers, but are because they're not getting their kickbacks from war. They're not or quite as many kickbacks. They want that war machine oiled, ready and going hmm. at all times. And I'm sure Biden will when, deliver. Yes. And that's what Biden is. He's he immediately started delivering and you're going to see. And that's why I try when I'm on Twitter every now and then I'll tweet at Donald Trump. And I try to appeal to his um, uh, delusions of grandeur and his <laughs> his um, everyone knows to do to, that <laughs> wanting to, to, to screw up the people who've got, come against him, because there are legitimate people who've come against him. And so I, every time I tweet, I'm like, hey, you know, it'd be really great is if you told the deep state to fuck themselves and uh, brought everyone, all the troops home so that if Biden wants to continue this stuff, it has to be on him. He has to restart it. So I'm like, come on, come on, just screw him on the way out. Screw him on the way out. That has been my my goal. And it's funny, there was someone, uh, I, I'm, I may be wrong, because it's been a while, but either someone, it was either uh, Trump Jr. or someone else who was like, you know, I think you should pull these out just to just to screw these people. And I was like, Tell it to your dad. Say it to your dad. <laughs> so if I can make two quick little points, um, as far as what we were talking about, the the Trump supporters who may or may not have stormed the Capitol, uh, to say, to kind of leave it out, well, they've made them look like racists. Well, they already know that they look like racists. I don't think that they care. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not as inclined well, to believe I'm not saying, that. Yeah, okay. That it, today it, that this was isn't racist. going. Yeah. No, no, I don't think that it is either. Right. I don't think race. There's plenty of people of color who were in that crowd, actually. Um, but the fact that, um, yes, the media will paint this as racism. Of course they will. That's their play. That's always been their play. Even if that is their play, you've already disenfranchised these people and called them racist and, and, and kind of uh, depersoned them in that way. They don't care anymore. But what? But They're, is that what they but does that is that what motor is? Is caring about that what stops people from violence? Uh, or only, is it principle? 
No, no, it's not that. It's that they are going not going to not do it because of what the establishment might say about them. Right. I don't think so either, but I think they wouldn't do it because they have principles. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe some people. Maybe. Some people, maybe. I, the general right. populace, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's just right. a lot of angry people. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that I don't I don't credit um, Donald Trump with l- allowing Iran to slip the noose. This is my own personal. That was Rand Paul. I'm sorry. I said, I think it was that, that said that Donald Trump kind of like saved Iran or whatever. No, okay. No, anyway, like, it was Rand Paul that led that. Sure. Okay. So what what I what I do think is that you see a lot of countries in the Middle East right now making peace deals with Israel, and I think a lot of people a lot of lines are being drawn right now between the surrounding countries in that area, in favor of Israel and not in favor of Iran. And I don't necessarily think that just because we didn't see an invasion of Iran under the first mm. term of Trump, that we wouldn't have seen it under the second. And um, I, I I don't know that I can credit him necessarily with not invading Iran. I just don't think he got a chance to personally. I was thinking, I always thought he would invade Iran also. And then when that Soleimani thing happened and there were a lot of really weird events and Iran responded in a very strange way. I dug in a little bit to Rouhani's background and stuff like that. And I kind of think those guys are. I think they may be play, I think both sides may be playing a, a game over there. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, it's obvious. I'm not sure. But I'm beginning to think because that was so weird that they may be playing a game Iran and Israel that mm-hmm. allows the U.S. to go in and exert a tremendous amount of influence, make a lot of threats, put troops over there, every place in between. You know what I mean? It's like right. one side and the other. And if you didn't if you didn't have, you know, maybe they don't actually want to nuke the entire Middle East. Maybe they just want to take it all over without the war. And Iran seems to be playing into that i think possibly and i think Soleimani may have been like a loyal iranian and a real threat to that facade but it's just a new theory because it was so weird to me how it played out and there's a lot of reason to think that that's true only because the u.s has backed um forces in that country who would want to see the current regime overthrown for some very good reasons i mean they they're like a, a repressive islamic regime they want to be able to join the rest of the world. So much like a, 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 a Soviet Union that was a, on the precipice of collapse, there's a lot of U.S. money that ends up going into support um, yes. anti-government movements in Iran. Yes, this is the thing that really, you know, it's I always think of things as layers and puppet masters and stuff like that. But what you're pointing out is to separate in every country, in my opinion, in every single country, the elites, the people who can be bribed, all that from the people, from the country, from, you know, you act like we always talk about that person as if they care about their country. So, and even Trump, like, well, he wants to put America first. You know, it's like, I sincerely believe that he wants to put Donald Trump Jr. first and all everything. So like my husband was talking about what Biden wants. I said, what Biden wants is to make sure that billion dollars over in that hedge fund in China is safe and secure. That is all he wants. And he wants to make sure whoever his grandchildren get it. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be president. He is getting kind of old. Like, who knows what he thinks is left to achieve. This was probably it. He thinks. 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, right. But I, oh, I, I think that was an act. But uh, yeah. the whole thing to me is that underneath it all, like the people are talking about lizards and aliens and um, the Illuminati and all that, and it was Israel and Vatican, and Vatican's probably closer to the closest to the truth on this. In that, I I bet it's almost all, if not all, money. And power. I mean, what oh, Klaus sure. Schwab is doing is really, it's, I mean, concentrating the money in, I mean, I bet, I bet ultimately one guy could control it all the way Klaus Schwab is working towards this fourth industrial revolution. Like one guy with like an army of, I don't know what, AI or something, you know, like if a person, if you read Ted Kaczynski, he says like there's, it's unclear whether one person, whether a person will ever, like, I think that's where you get the Terminator stuff, which I love. That you know, you might need machines to run the machines, you know. But I feel like they concentrate and concentrate up to the top. There is that that kind of plot and conspiracy, but almost all of it, I think, is what you're saying, which is they'll just sell each other out, sell their people out. All you have to do is get elected, like that guy in Belarus. I think they were offering him like a billion dollars to just do a COVID lockdown, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing it." I'm like, oh. "I mean, it's okay. not like." incidental that these large amounts of money uh get handed over from the u.s or the imf or any other wing of the uh western yes. uh, look into NATO. the biden <laughs> ukraine john Kerry, um kolomoisky which was the privat bank um who was Zelensky's boss he was Zelensky's boss on tv the way jeff zucker was trump's boss on tv but mm -hmm. The IMF sent billions of dollars over there, which went into that into that mix with Privat Bank, which owned Burisma. And John Kerry was in on it. Biden was in on it. When you I mean, when you look at like that case and when you dig into some of the Hunter Biden stuff, you actually see how it works. You know, you actually see like, oh, this guy owns that and they're getting this money and it's going to Cyprus and it's not coming yep. back. And then that guy just declared bankruptcy and moved to Switzerland or whatever. And yep. so. There's a lot of that kind of investigation to be done, and it rarely sees the light of day. That's why I think like so many people have this delusion that Trump is going to somehow get arrested. And I'm like, they can't arrest him because it sets a precedent that you would have to have presidents take responsibility for their crimes. And they do. They some countries can't do it like that. that. Yeah, like yeah. France is doing, does that all the time. Christine Lagarde and the other, like they, they get put, brought up on charges, which is a little bit dangerous because then you have someone like, if Assad hadn't seen what happened to Gaddafi, he might, he might have negotiated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you don't see what happens yeah. to Hussein and Gaddafi and be like, uh, so you want me to sign this and then we're friends? No. <laughs> okay. You just, you, you know, you make the stakes too high. It was in D. Tocqueville's yeah. thing about the American democracy in America. Okay. Where he said, like, it's good that you just have impeachment instead. You know, it's just like a slap on the wrist and you lose your thing and that you don't have like beheadings because and they. Yeah, they say that's what the 25th Amendment was for, because JFK was killed by the deep state. And they were like, look, let's put a mechanism in there where you can just remove the president. You don't actually have to kill him. That's what they say <laughs> that the 25th Amendment was for to call him crazy. So it's really funny how on one hand, everybody acknowledges how deep and screwed up it all is. And on the other hand, they're just like, are you suggesting there's voter fraud? What are you? Some kind of tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that's yeah. That's like talking to my parents actually. <laughs> and what, what do they say? What are their views? So Where do they it's, come really, from? it's really interesting. So I, I don't, I'm, I don't have a relationship with my mother, but I have an aunt who raised me and then I have my dad and my dad is like California blue liberal. And then my aunt is Georgia red Trump. And she's, you know, she, she's a poll worker. She, you know, is really invested in the state as a whole. And today I think she was watching the events unfolding and she called me and she's like, Hey, you know, just get ready. And I'm like, get ready for what? And she's Do you like, think to get out of the way if you have to. And I was like, Do you think wow. she was looking through Democrat glasses when she saw the Republicans? Maybe she sees a guy like Cam walking in she's, with a lot of big guns and she sees anger instead of joy. She's the Trump. She's the Trump supporter. <laughs> oh, she's really? the Trump supporter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when I say blue pilled, I just mean that she really buys into the system because it's like the difference between in the matrix, the red pill and the blue pill, the red pill, you're awake to what the system really is. The blue pill, you sort of go back to sleep, believing everything is as it should be. She is very much everything is as it should be. It's fine. It works. It'll be fine. We'll all get along. She doesn't feel that way. And so that's why I, yeah. I see this sort of palpable change in the Repub the people I know that are Republicans. That is my not mom, the same as it was before. People are my mom's very a big Trump supporter. And she did not like him. We're from New York. She didn't like him before because of the way he treated Ivana. <laughs> oh, you know, fair enough. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, but now she likes him. I'm like, why? Because he loves this country. I'm like, what are you? What the fuck? Yeah. So I did think he answered that thing that people wanted from him, which is that he he makes the people who have been attacking them upset, which is not just Democrats. It's the media establishment. It's the university establishment. It's every raging 20 something girl on Facebook. It's, you know, the whole society has been telling them they're awful people for 10 years. So it's like, oh, well, the media made these people look bad with a psyop. Maybe they did that. I don't put it past them that they did that. But I don't think that these people care anymore. You can't make them look any worse. You've basically called them well, the worst thing you can be in America. I don't. And I just I feel like they it's it doesn't none of it. It was all there. I think it's go, it's going to go away completely now that they had the vote. That's what I think. That would be so, so disappointing. And that's why I, th you know, that would be kind of evidence that it was it was ginned up. And then I mean, I shouldn't say completely. I, somebody in the comments was saying, and I agree with this, that in the very beginning, that the whole point the, that they're going to, you know, just keep this disgruntled subculture pissed off for the whole time. And it's just it, it, there's no way to have two things. You have to have a. You have to have problems in order to have a state. You have to either have fiscal insecurity, in which case you want the welfare state, or physical insecurity, in which case you want the warfare state. So they want people to always be tense and on edge. And then the second thing is, but they cannot do that in a functioning democracy, which is what we basically had, or democratic republic. So in 2000, they took... You know, they made lemonade out of the hanging Chad to mix metaphors. You know, I think <laughs> that hanging Chad is like the best porn name ever, but it's an election. <laughs> and his brother, that is a silky black cog. 
right. Yeah, that was his partner. So they, so I think that with the hanging Chad, what started then it was, I don't, it was like genius. I don't know if it was intentional or they just, they just, they ran with it or they set it up this way, but that's when the kind of not my president thing started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And every single solitary president, ele- presidential election has had lingering widespread feelings of invalidness in invalidity from the hanging chat in 2000 to the Ohio Diebold voting machines in 2004, 2008 was the Kenyan birth at 2012. The birther issue continued with Obama 2016. You would have had, this is the one thing that I think like Trump, Hillary and Ted Cruz, any one of those three could have won depending on how the wind was blowing for the powers that be, they wouldn't have cared. And the reason I think that, because I used to think that he lost on purpose and I thought she lost on purpose. But now I feel like they really kind of left it up to the people, which flavor of, you know, hemlock they want, Kool-Aid they want to drink, hemlock, whatever. And that, and the reason I think that the only reason is that Ted Cruz had a serious like disqualification. He was born in Canada at a time to two parents who were Canadian citizens at a time when, dual Canadian American citizenship was not permitted. Mm. So he could not have been an American citizen. There was no well, way. Yeah. He, his, he's not a natural born citizen because his dad no. wasn't, wasn't. But even if one is good enough, not, if, even not, if not, if not, not, not originalist constitutionally. Really? Oh, that's it's, great. What it, Black, even Blackstone said Blackstone, the understanding from Blackstone, I can't believe I'm doing constitution talk. No, um, that's the great. Understanding yeah. from, from that day in the constitution came from Blackstone's commentary. And the, the concept of a natural born citizen was that the citizenship came down through the father. So right. since Ted Cruz's right. father was from Cuba and then was in Canada, it didn't matter if he was born in America or to American mom. Technically, he was never eligible to be president because he's not actually a natural born citizen. So it doesn't matter even though he was born here. He was, he not, was born not born here. He was born oh, he was. Canada. OK, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. He was not born here that you the fact that you don't know it is the actual issue is that. Yeah, OK, he, he's not eligible. Why was he he was winning primaries or coming close know to, that. you know, he was. Yeah. And nobody no the fact that he was a walking constitutional crisis was kept from the informed voter. And even if they wanted to say that father mother thing was out outmoded, the mother had to have been a Canadian citizen. she was natural born American. But at the time of his birth, she was had to have been a Canadian citizen and not an American citizen because dual citizenship was not allowed at that time. And unless they prove that, but they never proved that she somehow had the one exception. So he had he was a walking illegitimate problem. Hillary, they completely set up. And boy, you could prove this all day long that illegal immigrants vote. I, I, I've lived in and out of California for years, and I have known many people who are not qualified to vote who did vote. I had an au pair where she she had within 30 days of living in L.A., you have to get a, a um, driver's license no matter what. So she was not a citizen. She was never going to be a citizen. They basically, I don't know if they, if she did it, if they literally insisted, but they practically insisted she registered to vote. She was like, I'm not a citizen. I cannot vote. And they were like, just do it. Just do it. 
I mean, so there's no chance that tons of illegal immigrants, which I always like, you know what, if California wants to throw away its electoral votes, then let them. I don't I don't really care if that's a decision they are making. I was like, whatever. Um, But Georgians are not making that decision and they and their electoral votes have been stolen from them, in my opinion. But so so all three. So now that really weak Russian survey russian influence thing weak weak crap that so trump is the the least legitimacy issues but still there were legitimate issues now and i mean i'm talking 20 2004 08 12 16 and now 20 this is the most illegitimate of all no matter who wins it's totally it, it will have the feeling of complete invalidity you could literally have two presidents like you have two popes <laughs> well at that point do you not simply talk about decentralization or uh, secession. I, I think that's secession. what they want us to do. I think it's, I mean, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad idea. Clearly there are two, at least two countries trying to live together as one. And it's, it's simply not working. So I support decentralization. I Me too. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. think we should secede. We could even just nullify laws. We could do all that, but, but, when I came to that conclusion, which is the only conclusion to come to, because I'm so far down the rabbit hole, I had to get wonder if they want me to think that. <laughs> you never can. You never can be too sure. You never can. We're, be too we're sure. we are in a simulation of a simulation. I don't I, know. I know. think it's healthy to question why we think the things we think. Well, maybe they want a civil war. They know they're going to win. They got to give you hope that it's going to happen. They got to give you a reason to fight if they want to think about this, the South after the Civil War. Yeah, are, are, you think got, you're getting Ron Paul after that? If you've got enough reason to fight, you've got a chance to win. It's never hopeless. If you've got something to fight for, it's not hopeless. And yes, I agree with you there. Got, yeah, yes. look how far people got. They may got. just be so arrogant. They are. They are. And they think yeah. that we're all stupid and they think we won't do anything. And they the, the worst thing you could be is just sort of black pilled or depressed or think that you've lost. Like that's really what they want you to think is that you have no hope. Yeah. So if you the have some pill. kind of hope, right, that you can change things, then you're already sort of bucking the system, in my opinion. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not hopeless. And the reason you know it's not hopeless is, or like for even from my point of view, they they are they have to constantly pipe deception into our eyes and ears constantly in regular media in social media everything constant they must control our minds 24 7 or we'll take a breath that's why they gave out the obama phones they did that in the soviet union they (laughs) i haven't read that yet so i don't know the reference but i will read it um they they did this in the soviet union and everybody knew that it was bullshit like whenever the government would put things out the whole planet as far as like the russians go the whole planet knew that it was nonsense and they didn't buy any of it so we are coming to a point where it's kind of like nah we're not buying the line anymore that's why we've been at a disadvantage because for a long time they got to use our faith in the media against us so the transition happened long before our eyes opened but 
But still, I mean, people are still getting brainwashed by it up the wazoo. But that's why I always, you know, it occurred to me that truth in advertising, uh, that's terrible laws. Insider trading laws, they're terrible laws. And uh, the FDA, it's all terrible because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've given up all of your uh, responsibility and any sense of responsibility, any experience, any cultural um, knowledge, any any um, family wisdom on evaluating drugs or how to live and all that stuff. You completely relinquish it. And then all that power, which corrupts, absolutely, then they have the power to do something like COVID where people are just like, I don't know what to do. I think I'll put a, a bag on my head and and stay in the closet. It's like, you should probably breathe fresh air and go in the sun. You're fucking crazy. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I feel like I was frozen for 500 years and I came out and I was just like, these people don't know about sun, you know, and air, <laughs> clean water, good nutrition. That's what's interesting about this this coronavirus deal is everyone keeps talking about 1984 and how Orwellian is Orwellian it is. But I think you do have to take 1984 and you have to marry it to Aldous Huxley's brave new world. Because like, like, uh, oh, it's, it's talked it's, about in the help me make that connection. World. Cause I haven't read the book yet. Because the way, uh, Jessica's spoken about this in the past is, uh, the origin of the word amuse is to be, I got that from Brit. I I can't claim credit. That's Brit's thing. But all I'm but what but that that I believe ties very well into the Brave New World because there's in in Brave New World there's a a drug called Soma that they can take and forget about everything and be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's all about maximizing happiness, putting people in all the right boxes where they fit. And but if you look at it, it at the world that we live in right now, it does seem like there's a split between people who they're trying to control with tyranny and with, you know, heavy handed. And then there are the people that have are already controlled, who've been amused who have Facebook been overcome and Prozac. pleasure mm-hmm. and do exactly what they want them to do without any question. And so That's I think what, if you just go yeah. 84, 1984, you're missing the other half of Brave New World. Totally thought it was Brave New World. Um, but I get what you're saying. And I would, I would always make this analogy like everybody's got they, they have the pairs of things like Russia had sex and vodka. We have Facebook and Prozac. The Brazilians have called the basket. So they get like a basket of food and necessities and novellas. So they just watch soap operas all day. I had a Brazilian friend who said that. So there was all this stuff. And I always equated it with the Soma thing. So you had the people, our the next generation just completely plugged in voluntarily to the Matrix. That's why. People are like, you're going to get an RFID. I'm like, you don't need an RFID. No one can walk around without a phone. You go find your RFID. Like, you don't, you don't pull it out. You don't have to cut it out of your hand. You will not walk away without it. So they, they put all that in place, Brave New World completely in place. But there is the remnant, the us, the resistors. And them, they need the boot on the neck. But not forever. Yeah. Not right. forever. Yeah. Because, Until well, although... Yeah, in that re- great reset thing, they do say there is going to be the tunnel people, the people who live outside who couldn't handle the technocracy. It's and in every dystopian movie, I absolutely love the sci-fi from Total Recall to The Matrix to Demolition Man. I mean, there they will have the people in the tunnels. That's what the boots for. But everybody else gets the soma. Yep. What what encourages me is that the heroes of those <laughs> movies are the people who destroy those sy- systems. So we have an entire generation of people who grew up knowing that the heroes were the people who sabotaged the machines. 
Um, and I think that the time has come. <laughs> well, if you're going to sabotage the machines, you've got to learn how to grow stuff, which I really can't. I'm too old. I don't feel like it. I just, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. So if you have other things to trade, uh, that would be good. Uh, coffee yeah. and vodka are going to be big what commodities. Cigarettes. If well, you start I don't need it, much. I'm going to go with, I don't need much. I, I can, I, I can keep the cave clean or whatever just I give me a broom <laughs> ruling the cannibal horde so yeah, i'll make sure that i will take care of you <laughs> i will thank you i will sweep out the cave for a couple of yeah. you know and i'll just eat the marrow out of the bones i'm good with no, that that's a deal Monica. we're keeping that's, her <laughs> that's my plan thank you just have visions of like the star trek you know the chicken that like the the cave the uh fur toga and like a chain oh. around her neck like just <laughs> put her in the cave to throw her bone once in a while no you That's would right. be a revered woman in my cannibal <laughs> clan by the thank way. you I'll, yes i could maybe i'll be the voice maybe i can be yeah. in the background a little bit cam will have the comic relief and i can just i can narrate <laughs> narrate what's happening uh, let me ask you this this comment makes me think of something i i despise with my whole heart every single time i see Joe Biden or Kamala Harris talk about, we're going to come together. We're going to unite. We're going to unify. Do you actually know anyone on either side that wants to <laughs> unite with the other? Because I don't want to to no end. <laughs> I don't and know. the funny thing is the, the ideology is closer than ever. The welfare warfare super state is merging. It's just becoming this one amorphous thing that everybody kind of is like, well, I want my UBI. No, I want my subsidized manufacturing job. It's like, okay, but you're all just asking for a totalitarian state with little nuances. I mean, I'm only have a like a Medicare conversation if we can talk about ending the global warfare. Like, I mean, I'm even willing to have conversations, but you can't have conversations anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the lines have been drawn. There's we're well, past the point of talk. It's not it's just not there yes. anymore. Yeah. We, yes. The warfare thing isn't going to stop, but it will move With the health to the of virtual. the state. Yeah, the health of the state depends on warfare. If they stopped doing the warfare, our prosperity would disappear. So it's not like they can stop it. So even if we demanded I, that or wanted that or whatever, it would. I have a book I just got called "The Military Roots of the Internet," and it's it's new. It's like from 2018, and I knew you know I knew about it, but this guy, I mean, it's I, I don't know what his story is, but it's it's good, and it's making me realize that the entire, I mean. The Internet is a war, you know, the whole thing. It's a war weapon. So it's a weapon of war. And I mean, I, I'm not very far into the book, so I have to like wait to have all my thoughts synthesized on it. But yeah, yeah. If it gets totally virtual, like they're heading us into and control is virtual. I mean, imagine the power of not actually needing to build stuff to to have that. The power that war will bring. I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine it's because it, the way what he's talking about now is like the Phoenix program in Vietnam and this where they or even before the Phoenix program, they used assassination, migration and starvation to subdue the population. And they That's what they're doing they, in Yemen. Yeah. And, and I feel like they did it to keep them or what he says, they did it to just keep them from from 
having the energy to figure it out or fight back. And I feel like that's why we're brave new world in the end is that it's going to be virtual and you're just not even going to know to fight back. You're not even going to know what, yeah. what's happening. I mean, it's a weird vision to have and maybe I'm overreacting. Well, like maybe that's what the whole fourth industrial revolution stuff is meant to make you really have your eye on a ball. That's like so far away. There's nothing you can do about it. Instead of looking mm -hmm. at what's real close you guys should check out Allison McDowell, Wrench in the Gears. She was just an education activist and she discovered like they want to, I don't know, blockchain social services so that and they have to create data they can monetize and literally trade in the financial markets. I don't know. It would take me a long time just to plow through her stuff. But the ideas, I, they make me think that we just we're not seeing what's right in front of our faces, which goes back to what you were saying earlier, Jessica, about like, it's, it just comes down to the money and that, that that's how they're controlling everything. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it always comes back to money. That's I guess, you know, a lot of people will say it goes up to the lizard people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, it always comes down to the money. That's what I'm saying. Like everything else might be the distraction. It's just like fucking follow the money. So is yep. Brave New World Aldous Huxley? Yes. Okay, so interestingly, I heard a really good quote by him. I have not read Brave New World, but I heard a really good quote by him about how like, Orwell feared that we would have um, information uh, hidden from us. But Huxley feared that there would be this like over plethora of information wow. that just, you couldn't right. discern, uh, you know, what was going on because there were so many amusements and uh, types of information and nobody agrees on what reality is. And I was like, wow, Boy. that's, you know, <laughs> right. hit it a lot closer to the head than Orwell did. That's for sure. Well, yeah. And in Brave New World, it was a mixture of the two. It was okay. you have all of the things that make you happy, pleasurable, all the information you want. But the Bible's hidden. The Quran is hidden. You can't have these concepts, especially the Bible, where it has this undercurrent of personal responsibility of individualism. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting, but one of the things like Paul's comment here about alcohol licenses and business licenses, I want to, I've been looking at this because I now live in Florida and I just bought a couple of guns and I had to wait. <laughs> Can we see them? Do you happen to have them handy? <laughs> I mean, I have, two, I have two of them handy. But the ones you bought I, today. <laughs> um, When's no, it going to be I, illegal I, to show guns on YouTube? I, as, I think as long as I don't show you the inner parts of them. Oh, really? I, we're good. Like if I don't show you how they work, I think that's. I've seen a bunch of shooting videos on YouTube. Yeah, shooting videos are yeah. fine. I think it's if you yeah. show if you take them apart and show how they work, they don't like right. That. Um, oh, but interesting. I, I, since I'm here now, if I get a concealed carry permit, then I can get the gun the same day. But I have to go through a, a class. I have to get pictures taken. I have to have my fingers print, uh, fingerprints done. I have to do all of pay this, I think, absorbent amount to get the thing. And I'm sitting here and you know, like if you look at what's going on with coronavirus, they'll just say, oh, well, you no longer have a license to sell liquor. You no longer have a license to do business. And Question. I, the, what's up? Is the exorbitant amount that you have to pay for this license more than the cost of a 3D printer? <laughs> no. Good question. Because you can't stop the signal. Wait, 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 let me just. You see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? 
Okay. Is that, is that a um, right. Oh, nice. <laughs> but what, but my my point is, I hate licensure across the board. Like I I shouldn't tell people this. I now, for the first time since 2018, I have a valid um, license plate on my car because it came with the car that we bought. That is bold. I, what? I, you you drive around without a valid license plate? Oh, man. I you must not have any drugs in the car. Right. <laughs> no, How do you get away from it? <laughs> he doesn't have any drugs in the car, so if he gets pulled over, it's no big but deal. does he? Do you get pulled over? I think I would get pulled oh, over no. within in one day in L.A. I live in Dude, L.A. I, the last time, I got, like I said, the last, but until this new car... The last time I got a license plate was um, in 2017 and it expired in 2018. And so until the end of 2020, I drove around here. I drove around in Georgia. I drove around in Pennsylvania. I, I drove around in Alabama and didn't get pulled over once. And wow. the simple it's reason I've never right. been pulled over. No, it's because. <laughs> I need mean that. It's because when, it's because Can when you I imagine? Drive, when I drive and I see sure. a cop. I go away. I don't yeah. give them the chance to read my my my. Plan. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. But, yeah, yeah, that's great. That works until it doesn't, though. Yes. <laughs> right. I, hey, I'm I'm the champ so far, but <laughs> no. That, but that's the thing. I hate licensure, and so one of the things that really bugs, like when I was in Birmingham, I had a um a concealed weapons permit, and I literally just walked in. They did a background check, and I paid seven dollars for a five year, um. Uh, gun uh, concealed carry permit but all of this information taking my fingerprints all of that just makes me go this is a secret gun registry mm -hmm. and i don't right. want to right. do it and i really hate accepting licenses for my rights and so like this there's this part of me this autistic libertarian part of me that's like i'm not gonna get the license i'm not gonna get the license i'm not gonna get the license so I don't think you need I, a concealed yeah. carry in Georgia, just by the way. I'm going to look that up just to be sure. But I think in but Georgia, I, I that's why I never liked the idea of medical marijuana. You have to yeah. register. And mm -hmm. I saw in Hawaii, I don't know if this was if it passed or what, but they were proposing that anyone who had a medical marijuana license was not allowed to get a gun. Yeah, I think they've already uh, had an issue trying to enforce that on somebody, too. I think yeah, I've heard okay, of the okay. case in possibly Florida. Cam, you might know about that. I do not. I Yeah, I'll have to look that up myself. <laughs> Divided we fall, That's united good. we stand, was the biggest propaganda sold to us since kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I don't, That's I feel good. like probably we the biggest, the biggest is a bullshit line. line. Yeah, the biggest lie in American history is we the people. Yes, I think Patrick Henry objected to that. I love him. He's my favorite. <laughs> he, he said it should have been the states. He said we the people makes it sound like we're subjects of this nation and not that, that the Constitution was a contract among the states. Right. Well, it also sells the lie that we're the ones who are ruling. It sells mm -hmm. the lie that if, if the government does it, it's because we told them to. Or because we did it. And it's like, I mean, I think that's basic. What's that anatomy of the state? Rothbard talks about how um, some 
populations kill themselves if we apply that to every country? Yeah. If 70% of the population voted to kill 30% of the population, well, then you couldn't say, of course, that they committed suicide. Like, we wouldn't belabor the point <laughs> saying that 30% committed suicide. That's fantastic. That, that debunks the, right. the idea that we are the people entirely. And then that yeah, it throws does. into sharp relief what the state actually is. Because what the state pretends to be and what the state actually is are two different things. Everyone should read Anatomy of the State by Murray Rothbard. There's a free PDF on Mises.org or a free audiobook on YouTube. And the book's only 90 pages if you want to read it. Please read that book. I think Sorry, I have that one on audio, so I'll grab that. I have a lot of those. It's an amazing, Mises, the audio amazing. stuff is like free. I mean, I don't know if it's amazing. actually free, but it's close to free. Quite a lot I of used it to is drive free. Yeah. 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 Mises is great, and I support them like unequivocally. They're a fantastic organization, and they make so much uh, like libertarian literature free and available to anyone. Yeah. So it's good. Please go I have no complaints. Yeah. Yeah. Mises is good. Am I the only one, though, who thinks that the Bill of Rights was a mistake? Uh, I don't think In it was a mistake. Way? In what way? Because like, it, what do you it, mean? It, lim- it limited our rights. And now there was someone who took that position, right? Who was that? Right. That, oh, who this is famous? all that humans have. And it's I can't I can't tell you. I, this is just my brain. <laughs> Every time I think about it now, because I used to be a huge proponent. Oh, that was a real I, issue. But yeah, I I, uh, I despise when people talk about their Second Amendment rights. You don't have Second Amendment rights. Right. You have the natural right to self-defense, period. I, I can tell um, you why I disagree with that. That was, I think, the original argument. And then George Mason wrote the Bill of Rights, I guess, for Virginia, if I recall correctly, and they adopted it. And the reason I don't agree with that is... You can't think of the Bill of Rights as the Bill of Rights, like an exhaustive list of your rights. Obviously, it isn't. They're almost almost not, you know, very few of your rights are listed. What it is, is express restraints on the government put in terms of rights. No, it totally hasn't worked, but it well, I shouldn't say that. I think it has slowed down the march of tyranny, and it is possible that all of individualism, all of individual liberty is just a constant struggle to kick that can of tyranny forever. And that if you get 250 years out of the very best possible plan, or actually I would say we got, you know, I think the real turning point was World War One. So where it was just the writing was on the walls over. But that was also the turning point for the monarchies and stuff, which actually weren't that bad, I think, compared to what we have now. But mm-hmm. Anyway, so I think it did. I, I agree think it was everything that you're saying right now. That oh really? Yeah, absolutely. Especially about like some of the monarchies. Where have I mean, you I know read? People freak out Papa? when you say that. Um, so I I'm familiar with some of the writing. I haven't read, read anything in, no. to completion, but just like essays and things. Like if that. you read, just get Democracy: The God That Failed and just read the beginning because that's what got me and how like what I just said to you and you're like yes. I Absolutely. I was like I didn't even know about Mises and I somehow yeah. stumbled upon this and I was like yes <laughs> and then that was it's, it for me. So it was just like the first twenty pages. Just open I, the book. I, that book has been recommended to me like five or six times now so it definitely have to people think it's intimidating just read the first 20 pages i mean i actually not i i did not find it intimidating i thought it was freaking great 
you might not want to like spend all your time reading all the footnotes. But what I do is I bought a lot of the books that the foot that were in the footnotes. And that was that was fun. I now have probably like 100 (laughs) books from Mises. I think I have them all. I would say it's possible I have them all. The book list gets long. I mean, I haven't read saving them for the like. I'm saving them for the tunnels. I'm oh, I'm gonna be the librarian. There you I go. Forgot. There you go. Ah, a revered Perfect. woman and a librarian. Oh, but I talk too much. Oh. <laughs> oh. In the post-apocalypse library is not gonna be the same as the pre-apocalypse library. It's not gonna be as quiet to that. Yeah, it's not gonna be as quiet at all. Like <laughs> give up on that. <laughs> I said I don't mind being chained in the corner and just eating the marrow out of the bones, but I actually do need a little quiet to read. This is what we do to librarians anyway. <laughs> I have a librarian chained in my basement right now. <laughs> but so I let me just back a second, because uh, yeah. when I say that the um, Bill of Rights was a mistake, I'm not necessarily even talking about government, you know, because they're always pushing the, the it to the nth degree. How can we how far can we go before they push back, et cetera? But it's a mistake in the in the mind of the culture, because they even whether or not the government does anything, people see their rights as this limited list of things. And if you talk to anyone who's a constitutionalist, you would at this like there's some that are smarter, obviously, but th- there are people who I've talked to who are strict constitutionalists and not originalists necessarily, but truly believe that their rights are what are on those pages. I would be a textualist, rights, not yeah, that, an originalist. That's where their rights derive from, is what people think that their rights come from the government. Yes. And right, that's why I right, think right. it's a mistake. But you can't... We're that far gone because we're that far gone. It's not a better alternative to have left it out because they left it out at first. It was a negotiated victory on the part of, I think, George Mason to put it in they Virginia was not going to sign it without the bill of rights. So it was, well, I mean, I'm not sure everybody did to be honest with you was, and there was no mechanism in the articles of confederation to, to replace itself. Like the constitution just came out and, you know, it, it has no legitimacy in my opinion, but whatever, I'm fine with Like I, if we could just restore it, I'd be, I'd consent to it as a compromise position. But I, I have thought a lot about the Bill of Rights issue, and I understand what you're saying, and I totally agree. And I used to have this argument on the air all the time because people would call and they would talk about um, terrorists have no rights and Gitmo and all this shit, like, you know, the real hardcore, you know, and I would say I would trap them because they are just the people who would say God gives you your rights, you know, not the government, because that's where they were. And I would say. So if God gives you your rights and not the government, why do non-Americans not have the same rights? And it's and it's and actually it's a little bit of a trick question because those rights are really just restraints on the government against um, actions they can take against an individual. And I think the 14th Amendment actually, which was not constitutionally passed, uh, would some things like about some things that don't, but it. It incorporates the rights into the states, which I do not like. Like, I think the state yeah, it, Congress should not pass a law to abridge 
religion, but that doesn't mean that your state house can't have the Ten Commandments on it, I think. But that's how it's read. And but the last is the 14th Amendment did say (laughs) that people have rights. People have the rights regardless of their citizenship status. So that's that was a little bit of an odd. Yeah. Doesn't that sort of imply that God create sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. I just had a joke, which was that doesn't that sort of imply that God created rights 250 years ago? Like, yes, it makes no sense. It's just, it, yes. Well, and, and, and that's the, that's the thing is when it comes to conversations about rights, I mean, at the end of the day, you could say that you don't have any rights that you're not willing to personally defend. I mean, there's all kinds of conversations oh, about this. Yes. Yes. I think there's only <laughs> but, one right, the right to self-defense. Yeah. Or property. I agree. No, just, I mean, the right to sell yeah, property as an extension of the person, but you, there's only one right and it's the right to self-defense. And that and means the right to protect that property. The yeah, right to autonomy. If you're self-ownership. Right. It, yes. It's, it's, it all boils down to property rights. Yes. But- and always, no. And the one thing that's, that is the only real question, in my opinion, is how do you originate or transfer ownership of land sorry cam you're trying to get a point out aren't you no no i'm good how do you transfer property of land no i'm saying the only question that i really in the end have like there's a there was a school of thought called the georgists i think thoreau might have been a georgist and maybe even thomas Paine. i don't know but where it's everything we believe total autonomy individuality um private property, all of that. But they do not believe that human beings can Can thoroughly own pieces of the earth. Because where did that right of ownership to pieces of the earth come from? And I would say there are a lot of cultures who recognize that implicitly in the fact that they are roaming around killing animals and stuff and they are like don't understand what you're saying. Like you build a fence and say, it's my property. And they're just like, what do you mean? My, my squirrel just ran over there. (laughs) I got to go get that. I got to go shoot that and then get it, you know, like, because like in Peru, I was in Peru and uh, there's a bunch of like Indians in the mountains. I had a friend who was a missionary priest and they could no longer live because a big power plant came up or something came up and they built a fence around like 30 acres of land. And they were like, well, we can't, the animals can't walk around it. We used to just sit around and wait for a deer to walk by or whatever they have and kill it and eat it. Now, granted, that's not the most efficient use of land. And if be fruitful and multiply is all, you know, is the ruling thing. I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm just saying I understand it's a valid question. And I mm-hmm. personally is the one question I really I think is the legitimate point of difference between among you know idea political ideology. Hmm. Well, I, mean, I so think the, this, the go ahead. I was gonna say this actually goes back to that discussion we were having about the non-aggression principle the other day. Like a lot of people talk about like, you know, so Locke addresses what you were saying, Monica, by saying that you own something by a man generates ownership or wealth by mixing his labor with his environment. Soil with the toil and toil with the soil. Right. Right. So does that include if I've put a fence up around this area, um, I've mixed my labor sort of with this area. I'm not even sure. Can you claim the whole earth that way? 
right. got an email from Hoppe once because I asked him about the Peru. I came back from Peru. And they sent an email to Hans Hermann Hoppe and he was like, well, they should build their own fences. I was like, ah, that, that doesn't work. But I'm not yeah. even talking about the fences. I'm not even sure you own the land through agricultural development. Okay. Like, I'm not even sure that mixing your toil with the soil is enough for you to say, I own this land mm -hmm. and I can leave it fallow and pass it on to future generations who can also leave it fallow. I'm not I'm not sure. <clears throat> where do you get that right? The so only thing that makes it work is the rules rule against perpetuities. Cam, are you a lawyer? Did you go to law school? Me? No. Or Jessica? Did anybody? No. I thought we used to, he was whipping out Blackstone. I was like, okay. So no. no, I was just a nerd. There's a rule against perpetuities, which means there's a certain amount of time that you can't make rules about the property you leave to your heirs. And that's the only way this works. That that because eventually it re it it can only really be owned by living people and there's enough right. kind of to make that work. But but if you remove that rule, you can see the problem. There have been 123 billion people on Earth. If somebody was allowed to to control it beyond their temporal existence, then there would be nothing. You know, you couldn't grow anything right. anywhere. So like, there's an ultimate problem. And uh, and Norman Dodd who worked on the Reese Commission said, which was about our tax exempt foundations on American. He said they are, and they should have a rule against perpetuities. Think of like the Rockefeller Foundation, the World Economic Forum, all these, these Carnegie, right. all these things, they live forever and they have unlimited money. Hmm? He was saying Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Yep. Disney. So that's why that's what kind of my take is that you own it if you can defend it. And so, yeah, you that's will great. lose property that you can't defend. That's why you lock your door. It's, you know, any any number of things, because like. But but how about this? So. Is it valid to say that taking what you what you got, like you live in this country, you can't pretend that we live in a free society or an anarcho-capitalist or agorist. Right. We can't pretend. Right. So you have your Ted Turner and you own like 25 percent of the land in the United States and you have fences and you have guys who can defend it. And you also have the United States Air Force and our tax dollars, which are, you know, defending it from some mm -hmm. foreigner who would come in and helicopter down and, you know, whatever. Uh so is it, are you, would you say you are defending it by just legally getting title and knowing that you don't physically have to defend it? If somebody, you know, you can leave it fallow forever and give it to your children who could also leave it fallow. No one's allowed to come on there and you're not really physically defending it. So uh, subject, so leaving it go fallow is subjective because if you value nature in its natural form or green spaces or whatever it is, maybe leaving land to go fallow yeah. for one man is um, preserving it for another. And so I would um, say that, you know, it would be hard to, you would be hard pressed to say that what one man does with his land should be determined by the subjective value of anybody else. And then the other thing is, um, yeah, if he does have the ability to defend that land by having the resources to hire private security for it, then that's just an extension of his. But what if he doesn't? Well, so if he does, if he doesn't, then he doesn't. 
you know, it's for so, the same reason if I'm if I'm hiking through area that happens to belong to Ted. Yeah. And I trespass yeah. on it by hiking yeah. on it. He can't do anything about it. And well, he so can, though. No, he can call the cops on you. Can he? Does he know that he has to know that I'm there? But you I'm know, asking so like, you just theoretically, if you maybe, you know, just theoretically, if like I own, I, I rent my house and I own a, a little house in the Coachella Valley that we Airbnb mm-hmm. out. And if there's ever a problem there, I'm nowhere near that. Right. I imagine the people I Airbnb would just call the cops. Right. You know, there's a problem in this area. I'm calling the cops. People call the cops all the time on people who Airbnb. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually able to defend it. But I, but I can own a lot more land because the government defends it for me. You so know, theoretically, you now do, that might not you be true. You actually technically defend it because your doors have locks. You probably maybe have an alarm system even on your, like, so there are things that you do to the home that are sort of reasonable defenses yeah. for the society that we live in. If we okay. lived in like a war-torn society, you Here's might have yeah. private security guards or some other kind of thing. We're getting to the answer. I yeah. can own a lot more property in this system that has these these rules about property ownership than I could <laughs> if I had to physically defend it because we've agreed that it is possible for me to own that property in theory. Mm-hmm. That you don't have a right to encroach it. It's not that I have a demand to. Yeah, but see, I feel like this is demonstrating how tricky a question it is. So it it definitely does. I think that there are interesting answers that I don't know 100% for sure would work. But I think people have fielded this, such as David Friedman and Bob Murphy, who have talked about the way that like private security forces and property might be uh, dealt conflicts about property might be dealt with in sort of a uh, more of an anarchic system or at least like a a stateless system so they explain these things way better than I do and um, you would definitely have to go through arbitrators that both parties agree on and there would still be some kind of system in place but they could be private systems that aren't necessarily dictated by um, a government which is incentivized to its own purposes and things of that nature. Yeah, no, I get I I don't understand, but I want to pull up Ryan's thing that says it's a leftist cop-out. Water ownership can be just as straightforward. There's nothing physical that can't be owned. To say that one thing can be owned and another can't is a silly leftist cop-out. And then he suggests water capitalism by Walter Block, uh, which actually... um, I was on a uh, like podcast with him and we p- promised to be continued. I wanted to talk to him about limited liability corporations and I'll also talk to him about water. And when I was in law school, I took a class on water rights and it was, it was a highly cultivated or whatever. It emerged oh, sure, from yeah. the different, like water in a place that's arid has different rules emerge than water in place that there's a lot of water. And I feel like the reason I'm not advocating government, but I think the reason that you have dispute resolution, so courts or, you know, any kind, any society. So I believe in, in society, you know, I, I think it's clear that we're social. Like if you read our enemy, the state, he talks about like governance versus the state, right? You have dispute resolution mechanisms. And the reason legitimate disputes can arise where both people legitimately think that they have the rights is that 
that there's nuance in law that it is not the same as like math. That's why I wasn't great at it. I got a JD MBA, but like I was much better at the Excel spreadsheets than I could never be a, a jurist. You know, I could never be a judge because there's nuance there. And so that's what a judge is for to see. That's why the common law is so good. Like the English common law is a concept, which is it's a great way to not have statutory law or a lot of enforcement. It's that, and I, why I like tort law is that they take case by case and you look at the specifics yeah. of the case and you understand the fundamentals of the justice in that case. And then that allows you to build a society on those understandings. Mm -hmm. And you don't have another case until the case teases out a nuance that has not yet arisen. And that's why when they're like, we need a new law, we need fundamental legal architecture. I'm like, you know what? We're 10,000 years into this. We've pretty much teased out all the nuances. And don't tell me terrorists are not private. Privateers, pirates, you know, they are. They're just, they're, they're aggressive actors that are not associated with the state that cross borders. I mean, we have, we've seen it all. So I feel like the, the, Water law is a good example of how the property ownership is going to emerge in a way that's a little more nuanced than just I weaved a bracelet out of my own hair. Like there's absolutely no way anyone else can own that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't do anything. All I did was grow, you know, like say I was just nursing from my mother and the, my first baby hair became a bracelet. That's an item that doesn't involve anything else. I clearly own that. But when you go to like water, it, I think it gets it can be nuanced. So I agree with you that especially water, because it's a tricky thing because it flows over everyone's property and all, all those kinds of things it can be tricky. Um, but uh, I, I agree that disputes would arise much like disputes arise now and that they would need to be arbitrated. But we can have a private arbitration that both parties agree to. And it wouldn't necessarily function oh, that yeah. differently than the state. Agree yeah. No, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, No, I'm just saying sure, yeah. the origin of of the right to own land and water is mm -hmm. a nuanced question because because the yeah. rules of perpetuity should the rules of perpetuity exist? Like, would Ryan say the rules of perpetuity should exist because that limits your ability to control property long after your own death? Like, where are the limits? Where's the origin? And what are the limits of that of land? Because if everybody so can own land forever, there we would not be able to eat. Okay, so something that's really coming to mind a lot during this conversation is um, when people died of the plague in 1358. And we're talking in some sections of uh, Europe, 70 to 60% of an area would be completely wiped out, meaning that their homes and their farms and all of their like capital goods were just there. Um, a lot of people kind of just moved in and, and took ownership of those things by mixing their labor with those things that were just laying there. I don't think that those were ill-gotten gains. Oh, totally um, agree. Right, totally right. Agree. So, you know, no, they didn't buy that property from anybody else. No, I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about the earth. Right. I'm talking about land. Like, do you own it all the way to the core of the earth and all the way to does it stop at the atmosphere? Does it stop at another star? Like, um, well, it's like ridiculous. Yeah, maybe it's obvious never, and I'm just not seeing it. You couldn't you could never. It's, it's sort of um, because you could never reach that. You could never reach the core of the earth 
as, as yeah. technology stands now. And you could never reach a star. So obviously, yes, like your I property rates don't I, extend. Yes, I will. And actually, like with an airplane going over my head, I'm not sure they're allowed to spew their crap on me. And if I am farming the land, I would say that I own it. If but I'm just like, I think if George that- Washington was a land speculator. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And I'm not sure... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, I mean, I know what the answer should be. I understand what the answer should be. I just, I can't intuit it. So one thing um, that comes to mind, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think you, you own, like, I I don't want to speak for Ryan in particular, but I would say knowing him as well as I do, I would say that he believes you own something until you abandon it. So... Okay. Laws of laws of perpetuity. When you're dead, you've abandoned that property, mm-hmm. and so if you've passed it to your child, they then would have the choice to abandon it or continue its use. And so it it is a transfer between individuals. It's a from father to son, and if they what, don't well, keep it, they and they abandon yeah. it. What about this idea that? Like George Washington was this, you know, people thought it was reprehensible what some of these guys were doing, just massive land speculators. And they would just stake a claim. You know, they would go out and let's say this is what they did. They would go out and they would build a fence uh, uh, just for miles and miles and miles all the way around and say, that's mine. Yeah. And then, you know, go away. And I'm just I'm not I'm not 100 percent positive. That's the way you originate the rights and land. That's really all right. I was saying. So I, I, I think, and I agree with you. I don't think you can just go and put a fence up around the whole world and say, okay, this is mine now because I put a fence on it because obviously I can jump over your fence pretty easily and you're not going to know I'm there. And, but could um, they arrest you if they did know you were there? So, yeah, that's a problem. I think where we might agree that the state enforcing property rights for people who, you know, just, do a thing like that, which is obviously you're not defending something, you're not using it. You just showed up one day, put some, uh, put a stake on it, and then walked away forever. Actually, you know? the U.S. government does it. It's the U.S. government that does it the most. If that that'll make people feel better, if I say that, forty four percent of the land in the country is the U.S. government saying that they get it. And there are, are a lot of laws about squatting and and that kind of thing, which I was always raised to abhor that you could. 30 years into it, if nobody touched that land and somebody was farming it for, you didn't realize that they were farming it for 15 years, it might be theirs. Mm-hmm. That is a legal concept. And right, I right. was raised to abhor it, but when you really, that's why the law gets a little nuanced, but but sure. the fact that the U.S. government has decided that they own 44% of the land mass in this country, that makes, makes it pretty clear what would give them the right to originate that. You know, they are not an entity, but if they were... Could you they? would you would need the state to enforce something like that. Like the, it would require the state to come along and say, we we you have to leave now, because even though you've taken control of this land and clearly you own it and you've mixed your labor with it, I want to claim some kind of like technical legal technicality that removes you from it. And you would need some kind of state entity to enact that, I think. So I think the problem, much like most or problems, kind of or, or, or some big guns. Yeah, I mean, there would be conflict. Think about Michigan and Ohio. There's a little sliver of land right between Michigan and Ohio oh, where yeah, they can. Yeah, you're right. War. They had a, a war <laughs> over it. There was yeah. a war between Michigan and Ohio. That's, That's where awesome. I grew up was Michigan. Yeah. So there would be conflict, you know, but I think the, the, the types of conflicts that arise 
uh, organically out of those types of things would pale in comparison to the types of things that the uh, U.S. government perpetrates on its people or the land grabs that they do. Millions of acres were grabbed in in pursuit of building the wall. Um, you know, uh, I guess this eminent, all eminent domain from... civil asset forfeiture. I mean, they're robbing. I blind. used to think that it was okay for colonizers to come occupy the land here because the the Indians weren't really making efficient use of it. It didn't it, it it seemed like they weren't owning it because they weren't cultivating it. But what they were doing was something a little different. Some places they would permaculture or the way, you know, the native methods of of changing um, the patterns or following the herds or whatever. Like they, mm -hmm. they're even in the earliest right. times, I just read this book against the grain, which was great. That the, the earth was shaped even by real early people before the agricultural revolution. Like did that, did that count? Did, did the Europeans have a right to colonize empty America? Yeah. Because the people who were there already didn't claim ownership of land in the same way like that's the question i always try to answer we're what do you are you allowed to chase them away back them down granted then you went after them and killed them and removed them from land they were clearly occupying them and whatever but i'm just saying like the the original question i can't i i don't i don't think it's right. crystal clear but well that's I something i think I about think, go ahead i think the original question is we're trying to apply, it's kind of an anachronism. We're trying to apply libertarian thought, our what, what we think is moral, what isn't, to a time period that was defined by conquest. It wasn't mm -hmm. defined by, is this right? It was defined by, I want that, I'm taking it. And so regardless of you know what the Indians happened or Native Americans happened to think or what happened, we can only speculate into the future. Because whether or not you we you can originate an ownership of land through toil, through homesteading, etc., it we already agree that that you can own land. Everyone except for the common. So what that. if it is that they both like so the Native American tribe owns the land in the way in the capacity that they own it, in the capacity that they work it as they see fit, and then also the settler who comes along owns the land in the sense that they've mixed their labor with it and they've put a home there and all those kinds of things and who actually owns it is the one who can assert their dominance and what yeah, we don't want to admit that's might make that right yeah might and what right. we don't yeah what we don't want to admit is that that law actually affects quite a bit more than we hope that all of our laws and morality and philosophy will reason us past and we use that law and philosophy to enact might makes right um yeah with less well bloodshed. i will say plenty of people objected to this kind of thing and if you read it, it's i found this very interesting the parallels when you read contemporary writings justifying slavery like mm -hmm. at the time there were slaves contemporary writings justifying um colonization and suppression of indigenous people stealing their rights and everything and when you read right. stuff today about abortion it all has the same language they're not human beings. They don't have souls. They stand in the way of progress. So right. they're, they're, they had to make arguments to do what they did because people thought it was wrong. They have mm -hmm. to use philosophy. They have to use law 
to convince themselves of their might makes right argument. But if it's really deconstructed, it's still might makes right. That's still what's being applied. And even if you look at today, we think we're very modern and cosmopolitan and we've grown past this, but we haven't. The government can't, the government can through quote eminent domain, which is a law, take your land. But what it really is, is that they have an entire army and militarized police force that can murder you if you try to resist them. And they have more guns than you do. That's the long and the short of it at the end of the day. It's, it's yeah, they've written a law that tells them that they are able to do it, but really they're able to do it because they have tanks. And so, you know, maybe absolutely average, true. absolutely uh, also true that the average citizen should be able to have tanks. And um, that, of course, that but that's what, what <laughs> war, you know, I mean, that is the point, right? We're just getting back to the point of, of just war. What is it? It's people saying that they have a right to something and then just taking it. <laughs> Yeah, yep. we're competing and for so resources, we, just like the animals. And, yeah, and, and but our entire the morality is a very human thing, and what we're trying to do is to assert morality over reality in a lot of ways. Because, and I don't mean reality insofar as that's how it should be, that's what the ideal is, but insofar as what's going on on the ground. And so, whether or not the Indians owned anything, ran buffaloes and kept them safe, and then we murdered them all and the buffaloes. At the end of the day, the person who won is the one who gave away the smallpox blanket. And that's that's the reality we have to deal with. I know they're not real. It's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a lot of murdering, a lot of murder, death, kill, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's everybody that's was killing everybody in those days, though. So that's kind of the deal. Yeah, Sorry. the concept of the noble savage itself is is fiction. There may have been certain pockets or certain tribes oh, that were yeah. nonviolent. But the history of the, the world Russian peasants had the same all every, all every underprivileged, every oppressed minority is is beatified to justify what another power seeker wants to use them to justify. And we see it today. Yeah. The Russian Revolution was replete with that. The peasant was supposed to be this font of like wisdom and this, you know, I mean, it's all like that. Totally, totally. But, but, well, I mean, I guess if before we go, I would love to hear, Cam, what, what is the, interplay between society morality and the law in your opinion and we can use property rights or colonization as a kind of well, launching point but well when it comes question. like the 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 central part of how i think is it isn't in property rights i understand property rights and i can speak in that language but my my understanding of the world and my morality it does stem from Christian epistemology. Like I speak out of the concept of God. That's just me. And so when, when we talk about self-ownership, I use that phrase when I'm talking to people, but I don't even believe it. I'm, I'm bought with a price, man. I'm owned. I'm a steward of my life. I'm a steward of the land. What, what I would say in the grand scheme of things, I, we are stewards and this land is not ours period. But I assert morality onto the world. And I know that I, I know that when I'm having these conversations about where property stems from, where all of that, I'm asserting my morality onto the world. 
and I know what I believe, but at the end of the day, I can't tell you a definitive way that, that we come to the concept of privately owned property because it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> I want to be better than what everyone else has done in the past. That is my goal. And so there are people like, I, I do think that there's an ideal. I do think that there was a specifically created order in which we were supposed to live, which was in creation, beautification, fulfillment. And we lost that along the way. And it became about power, became about violence, greed, sex, etc. And honestly, that is why we do at some point need to talk about the lizard people because I believe that they're you're going to think I'm crazy, but when, when people talk it's about after midnight, people, it's a metaphor, <laughs> when people talk about lizard people, it isn't, it isn't because a lot of people take it to the point that there are literally reptilian human beings or beings that are reptilian and that, you know, uh, the Rothschilds are lizard people or yeah, there's the something extra in their England, DNA and yeah, the, the Royal family in England are werewolves. But the point is if you look at the opening, the opening chapters of Genesis, when it talks about the serpent, which the serpent, the word comes from it's seraph, which comes from the, you know, you know, the word seraphim, which is a type of interdimensional being Angel is an easy way to say it, but if you break it down, let's do a little bit of interdimensional being talk. So, <laughs> I think that angels, not angels, I think that aliens are interdimensional beings in that I believe they're heavenly beings. Yeah, I always think that. I'm like, people say they don't believe in interdimensional beings. Wasn't Jesus an interdimensional being? Well, he was, he was the half, perfect, right? Venn diagram. The angels are when, yeah. when heaven and earth met. Yeah, and so he's he, he's within that fifth dimension and in the the third at the same time. Okay. Um, yes, angels but, are definitely interdimensional beings. Yeah, and if you look at the like I said, in the garden there was the serpent. The serpent is a a, a heavenly being that resembled a serpent and then if you fast forward to um the tower of babel you have all of the people which if you look okay so all of the bible talks about a power struggle it talks about how god gave humanity the garden to tend it talks about um how he gave them the option to choose whether or not they were going to go with morality or make their make up your own morality. And the humans mm -hmm. chose that they wanted to be king. Mm -hmm. And so as time progresses, you see the Tower of Babel. They lost Eden. And if you look at the Tower of Babel, it is an a um an it's analogous to the Garden of Eden because they were building up this pyramid because the Garden of Eden was said to be in a mountainous area, and there were, it had all of the, the same ideas, concepts, and fillings of the Garden of Eden. And so they were saying that they were king. They were trying to be God. They were trying to be the power. And then God said, well, no, go screw yourself. No, we're talking to each other. Go. 
And there's this little verse that talks about how after the Tower of Babel, that God gave to the number of nations, uh, split up the nations as to the number of the sons of God. And these are beings who were in the hierarchy of heaven. And each of these nations had this son, son of God, which is an interdimensional being. And these this is not are the new. Um, well, the uh, like a knock. Well, and well, that would be, you're thinking Nephilim. You're thinking of the Nephilim. Yeah which that is a part of it. But oh. if you but if you look at that split, you then see that each of the nations then and I would say each of the nations now have this dark being, this rebelled son of god that is not real and if you look at the different mythologies, you start seeing how they presented themselves to different points in time, different periods of history. And so now it's aliens because we're more scientific than we are um Mythological oh, interesting. and godlike. Ryan's yelling at, at you. Do you see Ryan yelling at you? But if you, but people are like, okay, so how did how did all of these pyramids go across this very specific line throughout the world? Yes, they were recreating Eden in each of these places through mm -hmm. the help. All right. Well, this does leader. sound like another episode, and you guys absolutely yeah. <laughs> have to do it and tell me when it's going to be on. I will not participate, but I will live stream and ask questions about it because this actually is the kind of stuff, like I said in the beginning, like I can listen to higher side chats. And although I don't grasp or embrace a lot of the the details, not because it's not valid or anything, just because it's I'm just not there yet. And yeah. but at the same time, it and I think Jessica, you were kind of hinting at this or said it outright, that what it does is it it re reminds you, it puts you in that mindset of there are questions, there's other stuff going on. And that's when I start introducing nuance into my ideology. Because mm -hmm. yeah if you know i'm terrible at nuance like i really was not good at law school i was really only good at business school and math and stuff so for me like it, and i even in my interactions it's very clear to me like i have a schedule to do my stuff blah, blah, blah. i don't even care i don't get emotional i don't care but there is there is nuance there are a lot of unanswered questions about the bigger picture and i try to not fall i i feel like libertarians are going to get cornered mm -hmm. and and that the if if we don't think if we continue to frame our answers in the context of of that system of the bill of rights or the constitution or whatever yeah. and i mean that's what you're getting at then you find that you're at the mercy of democracy, you know, you're, yeah. you're at the mercy. And, I'm and not I, willing and, to yeah, and I'm now like trying to level up in my thinking. Yeah. But, and I did want to ask you, Jessica, what do you think, you know, how do you see, so we can talk about the principles and it's good because that's the first, you know, that's not the first, but that's the first tier yeah. at least of like the path to um, understanding right and wrong in the context of all those things together. So do you have a, you know, how do you see those things interplaying? I, the, my question to Cam was morality, 
society and law, but like he like took like five levels up. So I don't know if we want to bring it back down to <laughs> earth, but seriously, yeah. like there's, there are moral questions, right? It's not my versus right, but there's moral, you know, that, that like, correct. Yeah. And I know, don't think that we should live in a might makes right type of system, because that means that if I can come over and push you over and take your stuff, that that means that's fine. And I didn't steal your stuff. I mightily took it. That's not clearly like what we would agree is a a good system to live by. It would create a lot of aggression. Oh yeah, you know, so right? So, right. I have an right. answer. I'm gonna let you finish, but I want I have an answer to that. The way that people do that. So you know, um, con I I think that there are already natural evolutionary things that exist within our community structures that we can rely on. And that have worked for thousands, if not millions of years, however long you think humans have been exactly. around. Um, we can, you know, a, going back to principles, I think is an interesting way to put it, because I think that there are already structures. Uh, conflict is expensive. It's expensive to conflict within one another. So it makes more sense to cooperate. And so in yeah. that sense, we'll cooperate not because we have a higher sense of morality, but simply because it is far more expensive to conflict with one another. Yeah. And you, that's not, yes. Right, that's not always, go, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, again, finish what you're saying, but I just. Oh, I was going to say, that's not sad. always going to pan out, of course. But if you look at the current system, not that any of you are advocating for the current system, but there are many who are. <laughs> if you look at the current system, of course, we have a far more conflict than I think would otherwise originate organically. Um, and I think yes. we definitely agree that many, much of it is generated and it's generated to fill the pockets of a lot of people. And so people fear, oh, the warlords will happen and oh, this conflict will happen. It will beating, be beating each other in the head uh, in the streets. And I don't think that that's true. I think that's a very dim outlook on humanity. Um, it doesn't that system doesn't it's, work and we don't set our communities up that way. But that's what's I, happening. I agree. Because the because the, of the, the state. The Right. The arguments against anarchism are invariably the status quo. Like, yeah, they oh, are the, are the shoot state, each other state itself. The yes. Yes. Yeah. And much worse. That's when you read Hoppe, you're like, it's so much worse than it would have would otherwise be. But I always try to point out to people that principles are pragmatism, whether God made man and earth at the same time or we emerged out of 4 million years of, of um, evolution or 10,000 years of civilization, the principles emerge because they are the things that work. I even, I even couch morality in instructing my kids. I was like raised very religious, dogmatic, whatever. Okay. And I went through like questioning and a lot of processes. And I, in so many ways I came back to where my father was about like principles and morality and and um law libertarianism everything but through this other way like it's right and good and i say to my kids like i'm not telling you not to sleep around because god will be mad i'm telling you not to sleep around because it's bad for you it's a very yeah. serious thing to do yes. like kids it's hard to keep you kids healthy and you have two parents who love each other, who are committed to each other, who have a stable home. Can you imagine how fucked up you would be if you were unwanted child of like a teenager? You know, it would be very a lot of those people are heroes. Yeah. I mean, that's that you know, to rise out of that is it gives me goosebumps. It's a very difficult thing to do if the odds are against you. 
So do you really have, do you really want to, to take so lightly rolling the dice with somebody or giving them one step behind? Mostly it's about the love. It's not about, it's not about the material things, but it's about, mm-hmm. you know, having an environment where a child can be nurtured. And, uh, and it's very clear, you know, that the rules of morality all kind of points to that. And there's like, oh, birth control. I'm like, you know, it's bad for you. Like you start popping those pills, like who the F knows what's going to happen to your cute little ovaries. Just, you know, I, I, I don't I know, don't you know, and I'm not telling people not to do it. I'm just, I'm, what I'm saying is I just, I feel like morality it's the principles are the pragmatism the morality is is healthy and natural in a lot of ways and and if you take it too far and you get crazy and you use it for power you know that's the problem i even like religion i like structure but it can you know i don't have a lot of faith in the vatican and i think this pope is uh i i i I don't want to talk about it but (laughs) I, I, i think there must be some like cosmic wrong to like call the pope names but that guy <laughs> is bad so news I don't, I don't have anything well, I, I i i'm Protestant. i don't have anything good to say about a pope yeah no i don't you know you gotta you gotta <laughs> you got what you got i got i got my own baggage thank you <laughs> but no what what i think is interesting um is the way you describe the principle and pragmatism pragmatism is this is unhealthy this will hurt you that what you're describing is sin as described in the Bible. Yes. People like to think of sin as God will be mad at you. But But if you look at all of the laws, if you look at all the things God said were sinful or abominations, these are things that hurt you, hurt others, or hurt God. He's trying to tell you. And God God doesn't have to be... It doesn't have... You don't have to define God... In that traditional way. And I'm not not defining God in that traditional way. I'm just saying the concept of God, like to be like, well, who cares if you hurt God? You have to believe in God to care if you hurt God. The concept that God, I think, embodies mm-hmm. is, you know, we can't even the concept that we have that I like I personally am afraid of, like disparaging in any way. But even that concept is it, not actually true. It's just what it's just as far as we can conceive of it. So it is even our own concept of it is smaller than it really is. So whatever it is that you don't want to offend is something that is, is the question, you know, it goes to the questions that we were asking at the beginning. Like, what is that? Other, what is that bigger thing? I can't even define it. I'm happy to call it God. And I like to have a relationship with God, but even if you don't believe in a personal God, it, you'd still do well to respect that there's a, you know, we're part of a larger thing we cannot understand. You still believe in right in some fashion, because I've noticed that every atheist I've ever spoken to, and I've once considered myself an atheist for nearly a decade, and I still believed that there was some kind of like objective morality, some difference between right and wrong. Like we understood there was right and wrong. Like slavery was wrong. There are natural things that are correct and natural things that are, you know, and so can you scientifically define what what creates that? I, I don't know that you can. At least I'm it's above my pay. Grade I even to use describe it. <laughs> the concept of like plum and building plum and level the true. It's called true. There is truth. Right. 
And, right. and, you know, we don't know it all. It keeps going. But the a yogi I love, or maybe the yogi said, the question of God is unanswerable and irrelevant because it doesn't matter if you know about God or who God is or whatever. The answer of what it would take to be content or achieve the afterlife is the same as what it would take to be content and achieve here, which is free yourself from desire, you know, feed that spiritual true self, be self, you know, be with eventually rid yourself of self, which is, I mean, I'm telling you the Yogi mother Teresa and like my mom all have the same philosophy. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, mom, you're a yoga. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just sit here. I just sit here and I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a potted plant. I'm like, you're totally a yogi. That's it. That's it though. <laughs> he sits under a tree and just, I know and she's super Catholic, <laughs> but she's, she's the yogi. Yeah. I think it's, it's all, no matter, you know, it's all digging at some fundamental like human actuality that we understand without ever being in the same culture, having the same education There's something that you understand innately as a child, I think that there's a truth in the universe. And so, you know, that's hard to understand. People who make science into a God need things to follow that logos or logical actualization. And that's actually um, faulty because science is only a tool and it can't actualize the universe for you. This is the craziest thing. They don't actually accept the science as a religion. All they do is accept the scientists as priests and they have them... The science, this stuff is written in Greek, literally written in Greek. And you try to tell people, I read this study about mass. They don't work. They could make it worse. How, how could you presume to read the study about masks? Are you a doctor? It's like, well, but I can read the language Greek. It's like, but it's in English. Uh, A lot of those words are not English. It's like, uh, they're just, you know what I mean? You cannot actually interpret this scientific material yourself. That's considered a sin. Well, you can. To be fair, anybody who's gone through a statistics level class, oh, like I a can. college you level can. statistics class, right? So but it's like, an apostasy. They pretend and 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 you make and you put that on yourself. You you say, I can't read this because I'm not one of the hallowed yeah. men with That's the white coat. Or the funny it's hat. It's taboo, like it's embarrassing. Right. Like, like you'll be mocked. Much in the way that the Bible was in Latin, so that the That's common what I'm people saying. could read it, and it was apostasy to write it in English for the first time. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, there are people who, um, as entire self worth is wrapped up in the idea that you can't read a scientific study. So don't. Yeah, I would advise anyone to not buy into that. Read. Yeah. <laughs> You can read it. You definitely can read and understand it. It takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of statistics, but you can, you can read it for sure. I was just talking to the people. I don't know who's even, I know I'm looking at maybe, maybe Ryan, (laughs) Ryan, you can read scientific studies, buddy. (laughs) I do want to address Ryan calling me a son of a bitch because he read through a whole book in order to speak on the topic with me yeah, what yeah book? i went ahead and did it in another episode it's called the unseen realm by michael heiser i've oh. read one the, the follow-up angels and he has another one called demons that i'm going to get to i'm um, reading forbidden plus, archaeology which may in some ways support this oh yeah well i mean it it, it yeah I'll, I'll i'll get you you need to read that book 
But what I'm going to say to Ryan is we talked about it for like five minutes at the two hour mark. I think we can do an episode. I think you're safe. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah, we're, we didn't go into it at all. Yes, <laughs> no. All. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. That was a tease, actually. Look, now we have all these people want to come watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Because that, it, it really, that I'm excited kind of how, that episode. how everything has worked for me is I went, because uh, I just believed what my parents said, like everyone does, until I got to college. And then I went to college and luckily I didn't fall into the stupid classes full of stupid people and stupid professors who say stupid <laughs> things. I just had stupid one classes. good professor. I, I, I am so pissed off that I have a college degree, but. Um, <laughs> I have to tell Ryan, I do not want to be on the episode. I just want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I had one one professor for in an ethics class simply say say the statement uh morality that begins with me must logically and necessarily end with me and that's i don't get it so if you if your morality is built on something other than something beyond you something eternal then if it's only your morality, if it's oh, your yes. truth, your truth yes. dies with you. Yes, that's why I hate humanism. Humanism yeah. is this idea that you have to be good to people because they're human. And I'm like, but humans suck. Mm-hmm. I suck. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be, I don't deserve, you know, to always be treated with love and respect if it's based purely yeah. on my uh, ability to always treat people with love and respect. I mostly suck. So... You you can't use that. It has to be something beyond yourself. It has to be for the pure good. Totally. That is yeah, a very so, Western modern idea, like this sort of like intrinsic value of human life that there are everybody, no matter what, is absolutely valuable to the same level. <laughs> and deserves health sure insurance. That, right, I'm not sure I agree <laughs> that everybody is um, contributing to the world at exactly the same level. <laughs> like, yeah, or not yeah, even contributing, but just trap. like intrinsic intrinsic value in some way that I have I personally have to make room in myself to value every life equally well that's completely impossible I don't value any of you at the same level that I value my mother you know like yeah. so already you can't we're love a- something you don't know that's why my dad said you always have to read the bible and stuff he's like because you can't love someone you don't know right well, well that's that's good advice yeah yeah he was like if you you have to love god and you're not gonna love him if you don't know him, so you gotta read this stuff yeah and so and i think that's, samson that's has to thing. go out what do you think <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's taking the panic for only so long eventually he's like I, I really have to go <laughs> all right so, so let's wrap it but all i was going to say was the last 10 to 12 years have been me finding things that my mom or dad were wrong about and then, yeah. well, it started with one thing that my dad was wrong about, and that was um, all sins are equal. Mm. And I didn't even know that I was a thing. To, I wasn't taught that. Yeah, well, it's, it's more Protestant, but that's what people talk about. It. And it's, it's a yes and no answer. But um, when I started delving into that, I mean, Jesus, even when he was brought before Pilate, said that he who brought me to you is guilty of the greater sin. So if there's a greater sin and Jesus said it, then there must be lesser sins. And so it led to this, this, how do I think, what do I think? And so it's been a long journey of me going, okay, so I've been taught about hell my whole life. 
what is true. And then this last year, like I said, I've, I've been reading, I read The Unseen Realm. Um, I've read a book called Angels. There's a shorter version of the book by Michael Heiser called uh, Supernatural. If you don't want to mm -hmm. get too far into the weeds, um, because of the, the Unseen Realm is more academic. But what, and it, I credit Tim Mackey from the Bible Project for this portion of my learning, because I went from, oh, well, I can know by reading this to going, oh, well, I mean, there are other people as well, but context is important. Understanding the people that it was written to, understanding the time period, understanding the other religions, understanding the archaeology. Yes. This mm -hmm. is important to understand it. And so that's where my conversation about interdimensional beings comes from and will come from mm. is I, everyone was always like, oh, do you believe aliens? And I'm like, maybe we'll see, but I don't mm. care because I think that most of what we've seen and most of what's been described is far too similar. And I see a motive behind it, behind a lot of the way things work. And so mm. I've always said, I think it's not from out deep, uh, not uh, aliens from far reaches of outer space. I think it's something that's here and is always here and we catch glimpses of. And so that's where I was with that. But wow, I went through this whole episode without mentioning that this is episode 69. <laughs> well, this is the wrong time. Good, because at least we did it at the end or when we were in some more deeper talk because we could have really black silky cocked it. Yeah, we... <laughs> I am entirely to blame for that, by the way. Yeah, can you please explain that? Because I can't have that going down out of context. So she was showing us pictures on her phone of chickens. Of black silky cocks. Which, what a, I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what they were. There was a breed of chicken. There's a breed of chicken called silkies, and she had a black one. And so I just happened to mention that Monica was showing us pictures of silky black cock. I did phone, not. You know, that was funny true. that you knew that. I was trying to remember who who knew. Who knew? Yeah. It, look at how beautiful. I have to <laughs> learn how to put stuff up. The silkies are a highly prized. Um, Here, how do I get that to? breed of chicken isn't that pretty yeah. oh really Very did you see his yeah. girlfriend did i show you his girlfriend no her name is yeti of course she's he's got a girlfriend name. can't yes. be a beautiful black yeah, cock and not have a girl or <laughs> actually his girlfriend is my screensaver well i thought that was david lovely no I oh i changed david her. because i was afraid my husband would be jealous <laughs> i had a picture right. of david because cam i said cam said what's your favorite picture of yourself and i was like that wasn't really a question like i need a picture for a thing so i sent you a bunch of pictures and you took the worst one and in order to justify it you got david to give you an even worse one but his was so bad it was good and i made it my wallpaper so i'll bring that What's back funny up. is is Monica genuinely believes that I chose the worst one. And literally, I just looked at the different pictures like, oh, she looks pretty Aww. in this and put it up. <laughs> so speaking of, I didn't realize how bad it was until you picked it. And then I was just like, oh, my, uh, you know, speaking of Monica looking pretty, um, my like second or third day on Twitter, you were going to an event and you wore a gown and you posted it on Twitter. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Monica, you look so beautiful. And you said thank you. And that was like my first interaction with oh, you. Oh, our first like, interaction? Thank you. It was, was probably like, that day. <laughs> it was uh it was the I got so Grammys. excited. Okay. Yeah. I got 
So I got really excited. I text my husband. I was like, Monica Perez just talked to me. <laughs> I would have talked to you. I talk. Yeah. I talk. I'm sure you had many interesting things. I'm sure I talked to you again. Trying to find David's picture. It's so funny. But you did. You looked fabulous. You had a fabulous. Thank you. I yes. I really worked hard to look good for the Grammys, and uh, I've been a few times, and it really, believe it or not, it loses its its appeal to like do the glamorous stuff. Mostly because eventually I got to the point where I didn't look as good as I thought. You know, you always think, well, if I if I wore a dress like that, I would look so gorgeous. And then you like get the dress and you put it on, you're like. I, I don't look anywhere near as good as I thought I was going to look. And then you kind of feel like the fantasy is a little better than the reality. How do I well, not have? Oh, I just we're always our harshest critics and we don't know uh, how we look to others. And you were a knockout, Miss Pam. Thank you. I'm sure as, I really as a man, I cannot. I cannot understand I can't this because I'm always exactly as good looking as I think I am. <laughs> you're great looking. I mean, no. you're you. You're as good as it. you look better than that black silky cock. I can tell you right the there. total package. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're I'm packing the... heat, I mean, that is attractive. Um, <laughs> there it is. Yay! That was my screensaver. Do you think my husband would think that was okay? <laughs> I don't know, but that man is is sexy. What's funny about this photo? That is made I his said, hey, I need a picture sure. of you, and he sent me two, and I was like, I want one of these, but I want you holding the gun. And he was like, okay. And this came of it. Oh, he um, literally took that picture for you? He took it for me. Well, technically, wow, he got a, another person involved I mean, to even take the, it. The composition of the picture is fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's artistically, it's like the redneck Annie Leibovitz, you know, captured that. Pr- you know, that that could be like the, the cover of a calendar, you know? I just yes. I mean, got it all. It could be in a camp I've never wanted to be called something more in my life. <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just be real. You get I it. had some increased blood yes. flow when I saw this photo. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Oh, that's a, compliment. Pretty, that's a great compliment. Pretty exciting. So you should Photoshop another picture, not mine, uh, kind of going in the other direction for the 69th episode. Nice. You should just, you should just invert him and put two on top of each other yeah you <laughs> like could even don't even make it too obvious just like have him there yeah you're right you could like flip it and then when you know gives a whole new meaning to like go after yourself yes yeah. flip I it could, mirror it i could put two together and make his make his barrels touch poor dave he's probably asleep okay. right now or we're plotting against him i would go i would go subtler i think he would like it i think he would think it was oh, no, he would love it oh he would love yeah. it um, but it is two hours and 30 minutes in and your yeah. dog needs to go out. So I need to go I out too. Going... He gave up. The other one literally pees on the carpet. So we'd be, <laughs> <laughs> we'd have all night if it was her. <laughs> I tried with you lady. I'm just going to go on the rug. <laughs> yeah, totally. And she doesn't even make any noise. She's just like, she's obviously too busy. <sighs> Anarchy. Anyway. Yeah, we rescued her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anarchy definitely reigns. Samson and Delilah. You like that? Samson and Delilah. You probably think it's I a Bible that. reference. It's a dead reference. Oh, it's cute, My though. My husband's a deadhead. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> the dog so, groomers all know it's a deadhead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Monica, you're welcome to come back anytime. You know that. And Thank you. I'm, I'm not coming back for that you. one. 
I appreciate it, no. but I want to <laughs> tell me about that one. I want to see it. I want to watch okay. it. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll dig deep on that one. Uh, but thank you yes. for coming in on this really strange day. Yeah. And giving I was so excited oh to talk to other people. Okay. Oh, yes, it has been so fun. And I am very pleased that we managed to put it in the proper perspective by not let it, letting it dominate two and a half hours of conversation. Think of all the great and meaningful things we talked about that were not derailed by that unworthy mayhem. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is I got to load both of my guns on screen while y'all talked. So, I mean, I was happy. That was pretty exciting for all of us, I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Everyone. I keep, I'm wondering if guns. I can get like taken down by association. I've been taken down so many times, even by YouTube, that I don't. I don't. I totally like it. Like you were saying, like those people don't care if anybody thinks they're racist. Like I totally don't care. Whatever. Take it down. I hope that the SWAT team doesn't come to my house. But you're the guy with the guns, so. <laughs> Yeah. This time it's not go on to me. Cam's house. Yeah, yeah, this is this is why I tell people don't tell people what you have. Like that's not something. I mean, like fair enough. Cam did a bit. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Don't tell people what you have. No, I got you for a lot. <laughs> oh, of you reasons. think you think yeah. this is what I, I don't? No, even have I these don't. Anymore. They I they don't. fell into a vat of acid almost immediately. They did. There was a <laughs> boating <laughs> accident during. It was this fake. Clearly at fake. The of a lake. I Heisenberg. See, it's a little orange cap. <laughs> thank you so much for having me hey yes. thank you for coming i enjoy you and also um it was so funny i was talking to someone the other day and they were like how did you get monica perez to come on your show your little rinky dink for a listener show and i was like well here's the deal i made an episode of something that she happened to like and i shot it her way and we became friends i happened to like it <laughs> that was a masterpiece. It was like three masterpieces in a row. What was I, it? What do you get? I was yours you after that. The uh, two or three. Yeah. Of the week. Wait, the Waco what? And the, my red pills of the week. Waco. Yeah. And Ruby Ridge. I mean, red that pills are good. red pilled yeah. my son. I my wow. son lives with me. <laughs> and you red pilled him. <laughs> so you're not only my friend you're a friend of the family oh yeah who knows you know these kids they don't know about that yeah. and i so think joe about. tundra over here in the chat he said he he you know he to see these things um laid bare oh that's great um he laid bare you know, these these issues, these events laid bare for him the true nature of the state, Joe said, I think. Something like that. Just today. He said something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's that's what's that's what's nice. funny about them is like my my friend Josh listened to it with his son, and they would do it when they were driving back and forth to like five minute rides to go to a practice or something. And he was like, My son made me sit in the car in the garage to finish each and every one of them. Yeah. And then cool. I started doing the live streams and he was watching one of them and his son said, why are you watching something with fat Thor in it? And, <laughs> and then he, he told his son who, who I was and, you know, with the red pill stuff. And he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no dude, fat Thor. Yeah. I'll take it. That's, the That's <laughs> <laughs> This so. was fat Thor's favorite beer. By the way, what is it, Lucy? 
Tropicalia. It's made in Athens, nice. Georgia. It's a Creature Comforts brewery. Um, and wow. this is in um, in the Avengers movie where there's Fat Thor. He's seen drinking these beers. And really? When, yeah. It, when Because they filmed part of it over here and he actually yes. likes this beer. So he's like, well, we'll wow. feature it in the movie. And then for like six months, I couldn't find any of my beer because all these pedestrian tourists Funny. were buying it up. But that's so a coincidence finally, then that you drink that yeah. beer and he just decided it to just be, happens to be my he beer is fat Thor yeah. and you yeah. and I was Fun furious fat. at fat Thor for drinking my beer. Yeah, ruins everything. Uh, fun fact, though, um, when before I started working with Ryan, I worked at a leather store and I sold leather. I taught people how to make stuff out of leather, etc. The le- since the end, I think some of Infinity War, but definitely Endgame and anything after that. Um, and some Disney movies and stuff like that. If you see leather, like if the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that's coming out, if you see leather in those movies, in those costumes, I touched it. Because wow. I wow, that's so, so cool. Hot. So next next time you watch a Marvel movie. Cool and hot. <laughs> next time you watch a Marvel movie, just know I touched that leather. I picked out that leather <laughs> for those people. Wow. Looks and really good. With, with that, thank you again for showing up. Um, if any of you want to hear my ramblings and and uh, ironic comments on Twitter, I won't say sarca- sarcastic because I don't really do sarcasm as much as I do irony. And I feel like there's an important distinction to be made there. Um, but if you want to read me just talk shit online, twitter.com slash this is MLGA. If you want to see Miss Jessica Green do the same thing, just go on Twitter, search Libertarian Kitchen Witch or I- L-I-B-T. K-I-T-W-I-T-C-H. And she'll do the same thing. And, obvi- and we play off each other. So I talk fun. a lot and of shit. And, and you need to listen to the propaganda report. Because... Thank you. Be- I spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I do not talk a lot of shit. It's at Monica Perez Show, and you can find all the propaganda report stuff on there. Monica's yep. legit. And to- yeah, <laughs> like, and I'm sorry. I don't have time for fun. You need to talk more shit, though. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. It's so <sighs> much fun. Propaganda report. Um, She's on Rothkin, which I just learned what that was. So search for her on there. She's on Patreon. Search for propaganda report on there. She's everywhere. (laughs) It's the propaganda report, though, with with my co host, Jar Jar Binkley. And yeah, just glom onto her because she's a wonderful human being. Jessica does some wonderful watercolor painting paintings and she gets better every time oh, i see a painting and Sample. you can find those on on instagram at sovereign I, cookies art yes i i do find post it. my art i am an amateur he's exaggerating a little bit i've been painting since october i i very much enjoy it please yeah if if you'd like to follow my art journey sovereign cookies art um <laughs> i will not is, be pleased until i have a painting in my background um i it's very much disconnected from my political uh things on twitter so if you Could follow you me on instagram gun? oh yeah don't I gun. yeah if you follow me on instagram i and i don't follow you back it's only because i keep that like an art space so i, I have follow a cocktail mostly artists. oh awesome. that's awesome i will totally uh, follow your mixes yeah well, mixes. and i used to try to keep it separate but <laughs> there yeah it's, it's hard to carpet 
compartmentalize it, but it's maybe important for my mental health to have a space outside of politics. So if you follow me on Instagram and you're a, you're a politics poster, I might not follow you back. Please don't take offense. I'm just keeping it as an art space. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Thank you guys. Until next time. I'll, next time I will be a spectator. Then the time after that, I'll be back. <laughs> it was wonderful to talk to you again, Monica. Look, you too. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hmm? Before we go, I want you to, oh. if you haven't noticed yet, I have that dumb Trump flag that I think is hilarious. Oh yeah. The, also, is he Rambo? Yeah. Also, here it is. Breaking in to the Capitol. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're it's it's a prop for them. I think it's a prop for you too. It is. Yeah. Wow, that is hilarious. interesting. That's good. So, That's good stuff right there. So all right, guys. I think I've named everything that you guys are on. I'm just in yep. <laughs> That's plenty. Go That's to fun. make Go to makelibertygreatagain.locals.com if you want to join my weird little group of people that talk about everything. Also, I don't compartmentalize anything. Wherever I am, I'm just me. And me <laughs> is a shit poster. So with that, thank you guys for joining me. And to the audience, all four of you, do your best to stay sane. Yeah.